Hi, this is Phil Parlipiano on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. Phil, I left you alone. That's okay. <laughs> I left you alone, but you know what it did? This is the first time that it didn't double the sound on us. Oh, Hi, excellent. Phil. Hey, how you doing? Did you introduce yourself and say that you're Phil Parlor Piano? Yes, I did. Now, Phil, somebody difficult. was telling me today that your name means something. Yes, it does. What does it mean, Phil? It means uh, speak softly. Speak softly. That, that is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Where did, your, where did this come from, this name? It, it's, um, it's Sicilian, so it's from the, the, little, uh, the little island. And there's actually, mm -hmm. I looked it up, and there's actually um, three streets that are called Parla Piano. Wow. And, yeah. Uh -huh. And it actually is also in, it's a, it's a, I mean, people say it in speech. And uh, in uh, the Godfather theme, if you ever listen to lyrics, it speaks softly love. And actually, they say my name there, too. So. Wow. That are, that's amazing. Now I got to hope this doesn't do this again because I just uh, screwed up a screen. So, <laughs> so you're, you're from the boot. Your people are from the boot. Yes, yes. The little, the little ball at the boot. Yeah. And so I want to know all about your family because I saw that incredible picture of your right. grandmother. So what generation... How many generations removed? Okay, well, my the, the the picture of my grandmother is actually on my mother's side, but on my father's okay. side, my father's side, uh, my grandparents uh, grew up here, so my great grandparents came over from Sicily, and they migrated to uh, very interesting places in uh, in a, in United States was Tampa, Florida, Pueblo, Colorado, and uh, Syracuse, New York, were the three places a lot of Italians went. And I think they went to all three of them. The, fam <laughs> the, fam the family did, but my grandmother, right. my grandmother, my dad's side grew up in Pueblo, Colorado. Strange. Ah. Yes. Okay, and okay, keep going. Yeah. Yes. So that's all I know about her. <laughs> okay, so your people, your how did your parents? They ended up in New York. How did how did yes. that happen? Um, my dad had just gotten out of the service, and he was going into a stock brokerage. So he was, um, you know, on Wall Street. Wow. And and my mom was uh, had had always lived in New York City, and uh, she uh, they they met at a dance or something like that. Got married six weeks six weeks later. Get out of here. Yeah. That used to happen a lot, you know. What did they stay married? Yes, they did stay married. Um, not, I don't I don't think they were happily married, but they stayed <laughs> they stayed married all through. When I was a child, they kind of, they weren't so happy. And then after I left the house, they became very happy and they stayed together for another 52 years until my dad passed. Yeah. Wow. So, That's so crazy. Yeah. I know when, I mean, almost everybody got divorced. It was the seventies. So, you know, it was, everybody was divorced crazy at that, at that moment. You know, not in my world. My parents got divorced in the sixties. No, yeah. my parents got divorced early. And like, I was the only kid who had divorced parents. Uh, so that was really weird. Yes, it is weird. So, yeah. so they stayed together for all those years. That's absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And so I love that you said that they, they got happy after you left. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think you had something to do with that, Phil? Yeah, I, I do. Actually. <laughs> no, you, no. Well, I think I think that's plus my gra the grandmother that I have the picture of. Right. She, she was also uh, she lived with us because it was you know immigrant family you know where we the right. mother in law lived with us, 
And I think my dad wasn't very happy about that. And uh, so about about the same time I left, my grandmother got a little too um, decrepit and had to go to skilled nursing. So she left at the same time. And once she left, boy, they were they were having parties and they were going on vacations and they were really happy at that point. You know, so Phil, there's your answer. It had nothing to do with you. Yeah, Come on, having the mother-in-law, that's a, it's that's hard. a, that's yeah. a rough gig. Yeah, it is really rough, especially, yeah. especially for a dad. And he, and he did not, my, my grandmother did not like my dad for whatever reason. I have no idea why, but she did. Well, of course, of course, it was a miserable situation. That, come on, that had nothing to do with you. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that. Had, oh, okay, so where does the music come from? Where, where, where did the music get you? Well, the uh, the grandmother, my maternal grandmother, her mm -hmm. name was Lupe, and um, she was living with us from the time we moved into the San Fernando Valley. We we grew up in. It was I say Sherman Oaks, but it was really the Van Nuys side of Sherman Oaks. Uh huh. Um, so is that the wrong other side of the tracks? Is that why you don't say it? Yeah, because most people, they think of Sherman Oaks, they think of like South of the Boulevard, really big palatial houses. People are really rich. And it wasn't that. It was on the other side of, of and it was just kind of a normal house, you know. Mm -hmm. It uh, it was a good neighborhood. And uh, by the time I was about three years old, I think I remember playing the piano about that time. Wow. Uh, one of my earliest memories. And my grandmother would always show me. And so by the time I was... I was four. I knew all the notes on the keyboard and I knew how to read them as well, but I didn't know the bass clef. Yeah, so that was, that was always a problem. It still is a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but okay. No, I, I've gotten it better. I've yeah. learned almost everything I go through osmosis. I wasn't one of those kids that went in competitions or anything like that. And I didn't practice every day. I didn't do any of that. Everything. Really? I learned, no. I mean, I, I was a little bit of a slacker. I liked playing, but I didn't like practicing the, you know, the, the lesson. So uh, everything I learned and everything I know is from, you know, just doing it and being with people. And, you know, and I, I, pra I practice now, practice went now more than I did back then, actually. So. So what were you doing when you would have been practicing? What would I be doing? Oh, just making up little, you know, like playing, playing little melodies on the piano, just kind of, you know, at that point, I don't think I really knew what notes I was playing. It was more just like designs, you know, which is how a lot of people, you know, just, just you move that and you, oh, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds good. Which is how a lot of people play. Mm -hmm. But I did learn how to read. When I was seven years old, I went to the uh, the church organist, Mrs. White, Joy White, and she taught me how to play and how to read the bass clef. Because when I was uh, the same at the church organist, when I went mm -hmm. to, the, it was the church school. And so when I was five years old, I went to the school and every Wednesday we had church service and we had to sit in the pews that were right next to the to the organ, which was a Hammond organ. And um, I remember being just turning five and looking at my Mrs. White and playing the organ and thinking that is what I want to do. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, and it just wasn't much until much later that I realized that that, that I kind of made a decision at that point. Um, I, I ended up playing in that church when I was 18 or 19. So I played for quite a few years. So I played wow. that organ. Yeah. So. Wow. Oh, somebody just asked if the picture behind you relates to your family. Oh, yeah. So that's that is uh, some kind of cousin or uncle. He's playing the clarinet. But uh, back then when they took those pictures, they, they used to use props a lot. So I don't even know if he played the clarinet. Wow, yeah. I love that. That is hysterical. My father actually played the clarinet. Oh, I'm yes. losing my thing here. I'm, oh. I'm all wired up, everybody, because I have a 
Yeti X Blue Microphone, which I'm showing you guys. The Blue's Hello. been so kind to uh, give me a shock mount too, and I don't know how to use the thing. <laughs> um, so, okay, so your grandmother was musical. Were your, was your mother musical coming from your grandmother? Um, she wasn't incredibly musical, but she did sing. And we would, we would uh -huh. always, I would always, uh, on Sundays, we would sing one song. The only song she knew how to sing was uh, Lover, which is uh, Rogers and Hart, I believe it is. Yeah. Wow. And it was in the key of D, so it was challenging for me. And then my dad, uh, if he got the courage, he would break out his, his violin and play along. But wow. he was he he was an orchestra, but he was very he was very paranoid because he knew he wasn't great and his pitch was a little off, but it wasn't that bad. But so he eventually he just would he stopped playing because he was just too embarrassed, which is a shame. But, that is a shame. Yeah, you know. Did anybody ever shame him musically that, that got him I can't believe him. Did, did anybody ever shame him, do you think? It's possible because my his uncle who lived mm -hmm. where I'm living right now and I have a lot of his stuff. Um, he was a professional um, violinist and it's possible that he might have said something to him at one time. Gotcha. Yeah, so. So somebody uh, is on here named mm -hmm. uh, who is talking. He is Rod. He was Rod's music con contractor for the tour. Stan is on here. Stan, okay. And he said um, that um, he dug you at the right off room is what he's saying. Oh, okay. Oh, very nice. Thank <laughs> I you. I guess he came to see you. you. You've been doing, okay, so let's talk about, let's go, we'll leave your childhood for a moment. We'll yes, come okay. back. But I want to talk about what you were doing when the lights went out, as I say, when the, when the, when the COVID hit. What was your life like just before? Like, what were you doing? What were you playing? What, what did you have plans? Were you playing oh, yeah. live? Were you recording? What was going on for you? I was uh, I that January. We literally just came back from Europe. I was playing with Kiefer Sutherland, the actor. Yes, yeah, yes, so, yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know he he's he's actually a pretty good Americana artist, like country rock, you know. And uh, we had just been in Europe where he does really well, and we just come back. Literally, if we'd come back three or four days later, they probably would have stopped us in the airport and like made us wait and mm -hmm. you know check us out because it just just had started. Wow! So we had already we already started working on a record before before it happened. We went on mm -hmm. a European tour for about a month. We came home, and then it all hit. And then we had a bunch of plans to do a bunch of stuff, and it all got put on hold and it's still on hold actually it's now. still on hold yeah uh-huh so what okay so the pandemic hits the work gets stopped right you've had all this stuff going on the record was planned what do you do what do you do you're what in lockdown do? now what'd you do it's it was actually um quite fortuitous uh right before um we left for this tour like um even just like uh three weeks my my mother passed away Oh, I'm and so sorry. That's all right. Thank you. She was very, um, she had um, dementia and she was not really the mother that I knew when I was growing up. And we just get in big arguments probably the most, most of the time, you know, cause she just was, you know, and she would see things under the ground and she would be telling me, there it is, it's down there. Why don't you help me out? And I'm like, there's, you know, she was having hallucinations. So when she finally passed, it was kind of like uh, a relief. Um, but I had to go through her house and um, it was just, you know, whatever, 60 years of being in a house. So I I uh, went through the house slowly and I also went through my house, too. So I spent probably about the first two months of the lockdown 
actually strangely being happy that I didn't have to be any place because wow. all, all I did was like go through papers, you know? And so it was, it was, I can honestly say I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed. I know that's a horrible you overused expression, but I was so blessed because, because I had worked for a whole year, I had, right. some money, I had some money saved up, you know? Right. And which if it had happened a year before that wouldn't have been the case, you know? Right. Right. And uh, so I didn't have to worry financially and um, and I had lots of things to do and I worked on music. I worked in my studio. And strangely enough, within like about two weeks, people started like sending me tracks and go, can you do this? And I would be, you know, I was ma I was making money, too. So wow, um, that's great. And my wife and I both love the fact that we'd go take a walk and there'd be nobody, you know, nobody out at all. <laughs> so, you know, and that changed, of course, then everybody right. was out. But then, you know, everybody had the mask. It was, you know. I can honestly say that it, it was obviously a horrible thing for the world. I still maintain, I have this hope that, that people see this as a reset for society. Mm -hmm. And that maybe, like, oh, I saw a lot of uh, dads that probably had never spent time with their kids. Like, Absolutely. Being there every day and going out every day at three and playing ball with them, you know. And, and, just, and I, I can't imagine them wanting to go back to work now. I really can't. Well, everybody got yeah. to work at home. So it, in I think on the one hand, it was crazy making because everyone was in the house and they had to homeschool and do all that stuff. Yes. But at the same time, they got to, yeah, a lot of dads got to. You know. I think the worst part, and I don't want to get political here, but the worst part was that we had someone, you know, in charge that did not did not give us all confidence. That's all I'm going to say. I did not have confidence. We needed somebody just to go, you're going to get through this. It's all right. And it was the opposite. And I'm really... I will never forget. I will never forget that. Mm -hmm. So that's all I'm going to say. Sorry, don't want to alienate anybody. No, no, yeah. no. Uh, every, yeah. oh, I, the COVID crazies are the people who I kind of, I started going live seven days a week in lockdown. You were mm. going through papers. I was just going live. And yes. that is so great that you, that you got the chance to be so productive because that's something you probably would not have been able to take the time to do. No, no, absolutely you, not. Right? You no. just wouldn't have been able to do it. I wish I would have done something so Phil, why didn't you tell me that was such a good idea? Well, it was, uh, it was good for a while. And then, and then after a while, it's was like, okay, I'm going through the 20, <laughs> 25th box of like, you know, I was finding things like I had saved um, phone, phone bills from 1978, you know, <laughs> you too. Uh oh, yes. yeah. I, you know, yes. Like, yes. Why am I saving it? <laughs> We don't even need the phone bills from this year. Yeah, no, I know. Everything is electronic. We don't even, and I have everything. I know. It's insane. Yeah. It's craziness. So, so okay. it's kind of good. I liked it. So how about musically? Were you, was it a creative time for you? I mean, aside from the work that people were shooting to you, were you creative? Were you writing? Were you creating? I was, I was writing, creating. It's, it's very hard. You know, um, I did come from uh, old, uh, old uh, uh, the music business where you made records when somebody said, Hey, we're going to make a record. And we're going to put it out on Arista and, you know, and so get right. together a bunch of songs. We're going to do it. And now of course we don't have that, you know, so right. it's very, very hard for me to be motivated. Uh, most of the songs I wrote, I wrote a lot of instrumental stuff. Um, lyrics were always something that were just, you know, especially working with, you know, some of the people I worked with who were amazing lyricists it's very intimidating to go and write, you know, Oh, what am I going to say? That's going to be as, you know, as, as thought provoking as uh, Sam stone or, or six o'clock news. Right. You know, 
Yeah, right. You I, know. I haven't I haven't mentioned John yet. Yeah, we didn't get it. to John yeah, Prime. Right. But you've written with okay, so when you've written with John, yes. Wh- who was writing what? Well, I have to say that was a, a situation that happens a lot in the studio where we were all in the studio and he had some lyrics and me and Howie Epstein and Joe Ramirez were in the studio together and he, you know, we're going through parts and like, oh, should, what should we do here? And I kind of came up with a little chord or some, one little idea. And then Joe would come up with a drums, drum program. Sweet. Or a drum. Yeah. So that's how that was that that happened. And the song and he and of course, Prime wrote all the lyrics because he's just, you know, master lyricist. You know? Well, you know, I, uh, I I haven't gotten into all of this, but, you know, as I was telling you before we went live, John Prine, my God, for like years and years, and I'll, we'll share some stories. And I can't wait to hear yours because he's such an enigma that I'm really curious about who the man really is. But um, but I'm talking about Phil now. So, did you go to supermarkets? Did you? What did you guys do? Oh yeah. <laughs> what did you? How did you handle lockdown? Okay, so I have to tell you that that my wife Lori just she is a supermarket. She loves supermarkets. So there was nothing that's going to keep her away from the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so she went. I never went. I never went the whole time. I, I didn't either. I was scared. Wasn't she scared? Like she was. But, you know, for a while, you know, they say, like, oh, you know, if you call Amazon Prime, just the right. And my friend Hank's my friend Hank's girlfriend said, mm-hmm. you got to call at three o'clock in the morning and set your and then you would say <laughs> you get this whole uh order together yeah. and you, you put it in at three and at 301 it go no nope, we don't yeah. have we don't have time for it <laughs> yeah. and then so she kept doing it she never ever got a, an order from amazon through never it was, it was all about instacart for me it was oh, all yeah, about but i have to tell you the advantage of that was they delivered to the front door i have stairs down to my garage so i never had to carry the groceries up ah. there, which now i'm not enjoying at all now that i'm but i love being in the supermarket so Do i so yeah. what did you, what did you, what, what did you allow you? Oh, so you went for walks. Yes. We went for walks. Lots of walks. Okay. Did you, what else did you go? Uh, we, um, well, we couldn't really go anyplace, you know, yeah. couldn't go to restaurants. Um, always had my, um, my coffee at three, three o'clock. We had coffee, mm-hmm. you know, coffee and a, a sweetie kind of like English style, you know, and <laughs> except not tea. And then, um, did you have people? Did you have safe? <laughs> right. Did you have safe people that? No, I no, didn't either. No people. No people. No I didn't people. have any relatives. Uh, no one I had to see. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't see. I, you know, I'm kind of a phone guy. I love talking on the phone. I'm like old, old school that way. So mm-hmm. I would call my friend. I have a friend who lives back east. We would talk for like two hours at a time, you know, mm-hmm. just about shooting the shit. You know, just nothing, you know. The name of my show. Did yeah, you yeah. did you binge? Uh, did you binge? Did you binge like Netflix and stuff? Uh, my wife did more than I did. I I did. I can't remember. I can't remember anything that I watched. I watch more now than I did back then. Mm-hmm. I actually was really. I was actually relieved because you know, as a as a musician in Los Angeles, there's so many things that happen every night. Mm-hmm. Like there's thing that happened over at uh, the Ireland's Thirty Two or at the Right Off Room or something like that. Right. And then I would. I really don't like to leave the house. <laughs> so the, the quarantine yeah. kind of suited you, huh? It was like, great. I don't have any place to go. I don't have to go anyplace. I don't have to feel guilty that I'm not going to a blues jam, you know? 
And I did. Yeah. I was like, and then when the Blues Jam started up, I was reading Facebook about three months ago, and I go, oh, no, they're starting it again. Uh, <laughs> do I have to go? <laughs> okay, so, so how is that happening? So how are you, are you getting back to real life? Like, how, have you gone to restaurants? Do you eat outside? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We always eat outside. I, I'm still not comfortable going inside. Mm. I have a, a, a few. I've played a few shows. Um, I think I, we did one that there was no one at. I, I'm going to do a show this Sunday over at Bernie's place in in Ohio. I don't know if you know about that. I love Ohio. I'm going yes. on Saturday. Oh no, uh, I'm going to miss you by a day. Yes, I know. No, a, a, a name named Perla Perla Batia. I think her name. Her how you pronounce her last name. And she had she had done. Um, she was one of the background singers with, uh, and I will think about it in a second. He okay. wrote, he wrote Hallelujah, you know. Yes. I uh, see. 12 seconds and I'm not waiting. That's Paul Williams when he can't think of something. He says 12 seconds and I'm not waiting. And then it comes. <laughs> Hall- yeah, right. Yes, I, I know the answer to this, but. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll think of it in a yeah, second. We're, yeah. we're, we're dumbasses because, sorry. No, we're just old. Swear, yeah. We're yeah. old and both of our parents died of Alzheimer's, my father. <laughs> oh, it's so. horrible. But yeah. uh, I, hopefully I won't because I do yes. not want to go that way. But yeah. um, so we're going to do that. And I did go to a party last week or uh, and I was inside and, and no one wore masks and everybody was like hugging and kissing. And I was thinking, uh, <gasps> yeah. my wife was like, uh, no, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah, no, people just I act, can't, like, I can't they act like it. it hasn't happened. They, I can't they act it. like it's over and yeah. I understand it, but it's not over. In fact, I have two friends that went out for these gigs and have COVID. Now they, they had vaccinations. You can still get it. If you have the vaccination, you I know two people it. also, wait a minute, you know, two musicians vaccinated yeah. got COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes. How sick are they? Not, not very sick at all. It's like, you know, hardly, hardly at all. Cause that's because yeah, they're vaccinated. So they, it takes the brunt of it off. I don't know. The guy, one of the people I know said that he's sick as a dog and that he can't even imagine if he wasn't vaccinated. And the other said it feels like he's coughing razor blades. Oh, God. Doesn't sound fun. No, no, it's it's a heinous disease. And I just once again, can I say how mad I am that people do not take this seriously? And it just it just every time I I watched NBC yesterday because that book came out Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I don't have to tell you. Yes. And uh, and (laughs) so then I continued watching it and I found out what happened in in the state that everybody loves to go to Tennessee, you know, where they they fired the the, the woman who was ahead. Yes, because she had said something that was on the books. She got fired. And Mm -hmm. all these anti-vaxxers not only want to say, don't get the covid vaccine, don't get any vaccine. Okay, this is just ignorant. This is like what? This is 17th century stuff. I so, just, Phil, how yeah. can you do a gig? How can you do an indoor gig? How can you? How are you doing it? How? how- well, I um, uh, when I do this one, I usually stay stay pretty far away from people, like you know, like, you know, pretty far back. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you're on stage, it's fine. And um, I'm just taking a chance. You know, I I hate to say it, but I. I do a lot of um, I've always done a lot of meditation and I I'm, I have meditated myself into telling my body that I'm very strong. I know that won't always save me from everything, but I have hardly gotten sick. I've gotten the flu maybe twice, three times in my life. So, you know, I I kind of know that I, I, I de- I'm deflecting it from the inside out, you know, whether that sounds like I love that. or not. No, no, I, you know? I believe in that. 
Yeah. Do you take a lot of supplements and stuff? Did no, you do I, I do not. <laughs> wow. Okay. I do not. I am only because um, my stomach is like, I don't have a great stomach. That's the one thing mm-hmm. that I was unfortunately not given a great stomach. From the time mm-hmm. I was very young, I was always having stomach illnesses or st- stomach sick, just like feeling sick in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, never ate pizza. Obviously realized later I was lactose intolerant, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, and then I stopped eating cheese and all of a sudden I felt a hundred times better you know things like that I mean I grew up a geeky kid I mean it was not a cool I was not one of the cool kids okay so let's go back and talk about (laughs) let's talk about that kid so you're growing up in Sherman Oaks we'll call it and and, uh so uh, do you play sports are you are you all music all the time what's your thing well you know I went to because my, my mom was scared to death of public school so I had to go to parochial school oh. so I went to a Lutheran school which um, is not as bad as Catholic in terms of uh, just ramming it down your throat <laughs> but at the same time it was a time in the 70s where we had this thing called uh, One Way Through Jesus and there was this thing called Jesus People which is basically like almost culty type of Wow. Uh, religious type thing uh-huh. and so i didn't like go all the way with it but i had a girlfriend who like was totally into it she'd go to camps jesus camp and all this wow. kind of stuff so i grew up with a lot of that which uh, luckily when i became later i go that's a bunch of crap you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry sorry for anybody who's <laughs> follows jesus i mean i don't think that jesus is a bunch of crap but the religious <laughs> aspect of it is is a little bit suspect mm-hmm. and um and so I went to a school called Laurel Hall. You have Hall. such a Jewish look, Phil. I know. And, I know. and your name is Phil. I, I mean, if I if it wasn't yeah. for Parla Piano, anyway, I, I wouldn't find you one of us. Go ahead. I'm I sorry. know. I know. Most people do. My wife is, you know, and and I've go. always gravitated towards uh, Jewish people. I mean, my whole <laughs> life, it's like friends and such. But um, I know that's. I was told that many times. But I uh, so I grew up in the church school, and I went to the school called Laurel Hall. That was also the school that Steve Lukather from Toto went to. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> And then he went to Grant and I went to a, a Baptist school, which was a mistake in the world. But at my at my school, it mm-hmm. was totally common. It was so small that if you did not play sports, I mean, if you were there, you played sports. Right. So I lettered in all three sports basketball. Oh, wow. But I was not good. I sat on the bench the whole time. I did oh, not, come on. You can't letter and do that. You, you, you can. At really? my school, you could. Yes. <laughs> Just wow. it was like if you showed up and did <laughs> practice. You yeah. got it. And I think I was put in once or twice, but, you know, they never threw the ball to me or nothing. Like, so I did football, basketball and uh, b- baseball. But, you know, and then wow. when I got to when I got to high school, it was like all out the window. I just had no interest in sports whatsoever. And to this day, I can honestly say that's one of the things that separates me from everybody else is that I know no, I know I know how to play sports, but I know nothing about, you know, popular. the professional. Yeah, right, 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 right. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. But come on, that's got to be. There are a lot of musicians that don't know anything about right. sports. Yeah, yeah, you're with your people. No, I have two. I have two friends. My friend Bill, I grew up with, loves baseball, and of course Dan Navarro, who we both know, is loves baseball. Who got to sing at the Dodger <laughs> yes, game? He the did. Other day. So yeah, oh, good for God. him. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, that's kind of like his dream come true. Right. You know, to me, it'd be like great. <laughs> how much? <laughs> how much to pay? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and none of the players would mean anything to you at no, all. Of yeah, Sandy I, Colfax, I remember yeah. him. <laughs> See, I'm really dating myself. He Just used to a have a bit. he used to have a do- he used to have a bar in Van Nuys. That's what really? I remember. Too. Yes, he did. Right, wow. he was there every night. 
So, really? Yes, he was there. Was he a drinker? He probably. <laughs> I don't know, but at that time, baseball players did not get paid a lot of money. They got paid, you know, right. a lot at a lot of the time. Like right. in 1970, they probably got paid sixty thousand dollars a year, you know, which is a lot at the time, but not, right. you know. So after they they were through with their career, they had to come up with something else. So they'd spin their, you know, they'd always had bar was a really common way that they made money. Actually, there was a, yeah. an athlete named Phil Linz, and I can't even tell you what sport he played. I yeah. think he played baseball, and he had the bar next to the place. Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. It was really I, common, I, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so yeah. so you're playing you're playing piano at four, yes. How, and your grandmother, where, where does the accordion get into okay. this? I will tell you, that was that was much later in the game. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I, I played the I played the that and then she also had a guitar which i still have some places over there uh and she didn't show me the guitar i kind of picked that up on my own and that was about when i was about 11 years old mm -hmm. and uh keyboards were incredibly expensive uh even for back then to to buy an organ or something was re really overpriced you know you couldn't afford it so right. whereas a guitar i could have electric guitar so i i picked up a guitar to so i could play in bands Right. And that's, so I played guitar for many, many years in uh, my first bands until everybody played guitar and I was able to afford a keyboard. And then it turned around that I got a bunch of work because I was a keyboard player and everybody, you know, everybody played guitar. It's still a case, you know. So that's when I started playing the, the keyboard. And then I went through the whole disco period. Having wait, disco wait, what bands. was your first, what was your first like band? What was your first band? What was that? What did that look like? Okay. That that's good. These are good questions. I never get to tell these. Uh, when I was about in fifth grade, um, mm -hmm. that's when I started getting turned on to rock and roll music. Cause I was, I had a carpool with, uh, with this, uh, uh, people that were older than me. And uh, their mom always played KHJ. That was the, the pop station in, in Los Angeles, 93 KHJ. And that's when the first time I heard pop music for uh -huh. real. And I heard the Beatles. I heard Come Together. I remember the first time I heard Come Together, which had just come out. And um, it blew my mind. It really did. It was, uh, what is this? I, the drums, the vocal, everything about it I loved so much that I became a Beatles fan. That's how I, I didn't become a Beatles fan by seeing them on, on Ed Sullivan's show. Uh, my mom watched it and she Hi. said, she said, ah, they're a bunch of no talents. You know, that's what she said to me. Yes. Wow. Because they know they listen to nothing but Rimsey Korsakoff and and uh, Beethoven and wow. Peggy, Peggy, Peggy Lee and right. you know, Andy Williams and you know, stuff like that. We watch right. variety shows, Dean Martin, you know, of course. Those, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, when I finally heard it, I go, wow, this is great. And then uh, the record Let It Be came out. And I went to a music store. You were time. late to the party. I was wow. totally like late to the party. I, I, I got I got involved with the Beatles like when they broke up. That's when I wow. got involved. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my first record was Hey Jude, which was a compilation of a bunch of singles. But Let It Be. Wow. And that song came out and I just loved it. I went to a music store and I saw they had sheet music for Let mm -hmm. It Be. And I didn't I didn't realize that they did that. So I bought the sheet music. I played it and then I got four other guitar players to, to from my from my uh, fifth grade we were in fifth grade to play so we could play at the music music class um because then it was like it was really dodgy because they didn't like anything that wasn't religious music oh. so in fact one time the next year when um all things must pass came out and george harrison had my sweet lord mm -hmm. i was like 
Yay! <laughs> I can play My Sweet Lord. And I was going to do it at, um, at a church service. No, and, come on. Then you're going to say Hare Krishna. They no, that, that was it. That was what happened. I was going to do a church service. <laughs> and I was, you know, they used to have every morning at church, I mean, at school, they'd have the yeah. announcements on the, you know, over. Right. Yeah. And so the principal comes on and she's like, da, 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 da. And he goes, and to the person who wanted to do my sweet Lord at, um, <laughs> at church service, <laughs> I just want to inform you, that's not our Lord he's talking about. <laughs> And that was, I, that, once again, I was 11 years old going, that doesn't sound right. I was, you know, that's when it started, the, it, the cracks, you know. And the cracks in religion, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, oh, yes. no. Oh, so glad. <laughs> so glad I, I did it. Because all the people I knew from back then, you know, they got they got married and had babies by the time they were 18 years old. You know, oh, that was God. it. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, you because know, they had to spread the spread the word. <laughs> and so, so we played. That was the first time we played. And uh, I, I don't know any of those people anymore, but um, it, we all used to practice over at my mom's house. My mom, my mom in her infant wisdom was always giving, she was like a stage mom. So she was always giving me advice, you know? Like what? Yeah. Uh, well, like she, well, this was bad advice because I had all my friends there. <laughs> we're, in, we're 11 years old. And she goes, yeah. She goes, you know, if you're going to do something like have a band, you got to be the leader. So you got to tell them you're the leader of the band. Right. I go, I go, Ma, I, I don't. And I was like, I knew I was like, I don't think it really works like that here. You know? And she goes, well, you got to do it because otherwise you're going to be stepped all over your whole life. I mean, he's like telling me this when I'm 11 years old. I'm like, okay. So I go and I say, well, I've decided I'm leader of the band. And they're all like, yeah, Philip, you know, um, don't you tell us what to do. And they all ran out the door. They literally ran out the door and I had to chase them down the street. I go, no, don't go away. <laughs> there's my mom thank you mom oh my god that's hysterical yeah um, she was great. <laughs> it's actually not terrible advice to be no. the, the band but you know but you know but when you're 11 it's like how do you arrange that you know <laughs> uh, there's only one way to do it when you're this like own all the equipment and own the van and own you know the pa you know but is that how it works okay yeah. If you do that, I mean, we had people, yeah, they would go, okay, I'm the leader of the band because I own all the gear. <laughs> all right. And or, nobody can argue with that. No yeah. one can argue. Or you, <laughs> or you truly are the most uh, advanced musically, but mm. usually that implies you're going to ha- surround yourself with a bunch of people that are no good, which is one thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. Which is one thing my mom did tell me, which is an old adage in the music business, is always surround your pe- yourself with people that are better than you. Or, or as good so that you can advance. Absolutely. Know? Right. Well, I'm glad she taught you. That was a yes. good lesson she gave you. Yes, it was. Okay. So from 11, so what, ha- so you're playing, you're playing in bands through, through high school and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We were my, my partner and I that I met um, uh, my musical partner when I was 12 and uh, we, we were playing, we did original music and then we were listening to Chicago and we loved Chicago. So we got a brass band together. We had, a wow. trumpet and trombone and you know we're doing these really really complicated songs what, what kind of original music are you writing when you're 12 years old oh you know stuff about no. stuff Tell about me. well you know it's stuff about you know girl that you like that you that that wouldn't give you the time of day mary bones i think her name was i don't remember all these names kendall arare was the first girl i i gave her i gave her a little bracelet 
And uh, oh. she gave it back to me saying, I can't accept this. And oh. I was like, yeah, I know. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, I know. So but, you were, were they rock and roll songs? What, what, what were they? Yeah, you know, they were rock and roll songs mixed with, you know, I mean, we love the Beatles, so they were mm-hmm. kind of beatle but, you know, kind of uh-huh. like ballady Beatle. I never uh-huh. really, that was one thing I never did was I never got into, I never, unfortunately, was involved in music that was very popular ever, even from the time was, except for the Beatles, all the other music I liked was kind of underground. Such as? Oh, well, like. Well, like Chicago, actually, besides having the hits, I yeah. liked all the I liked all the B sides. The B sides, right? Yeah, you know? <laughs> and you know, and um, other brass bands. I liked the B sides because we were brass bands. And then we got into because we lived in Los Angeles, and with the influence of Toto, we like got into this thing which was called uh, progressive jazz or jazz rock oh. or yeah, you know, like Chick Corea and the Yellow uh-huh. Jackets, and you know these these things that. I defy you to find women that like that music. <laughs> well, it, I'm a woman and I have to tell you, I don't. Yeah, of course you don't. I don't. I never have. <laughs> because it's it's music for people, who play, unless they're music, unless they're musos, you know, there are other musicians. And even yeah. when women musicians don't even like that. It's only for guys <laughs> that like music. It's like Yes and Genesis and all the prog rock bands. It's the same thing. It's for guys. No, I love Yes. Okay, I'm well, no, well I yes, love yes, yes did do a, a few Ooh. different crossovers. So, okay, but, you know, but a lot of those other what they called prog rock, which I love too. You know, I did all that. And I tried to, I tried to play that music, but you know, it was, it was very advanced. And I just, I was more of a feel player. I wasn't a, I wasn't one of those, you know, technical guys. I still wasn't, but you wanted to talk about the accordion. So I'll, I'll have to move up to much later. Oh, do you have, hang on. I'm, it's, it's saying that something's going on with the video. So I'm trying to see if that's so. It's saying that this video has ended, which it has not. <laughs> no, we, we are still live. Facebook is totally just fucking with me. We're Why still live. Okay, they're, good. They're messing with me. Um, so I never heard that term, prog. Prog, yeah. Progressive, progressive rock, yeah. That was all those bands. There were a lot of European, like Genesis was one of the big I ones. I love them also. Yeah. Um, yes. And- was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer yes. that? I loved that. You love that? Okay. Well, yes. I, sh- I should have gone out with you back then. <laughs> but I didn't, yeah. like, like, I didn't like the jazzy guy. I didn't like yeah. Chikori and all that progressive jazz. I no, it's correct. Well, there's a reason. It's, it's, it doesn't hold up well in, in, in retrospect. Some of it is kind of cool just in terms of, you know, tactical prowess. Right. But it's not really like... There's no melody. There's no, yeah. Very little, you know, it's, it's, it's for musicians and, you know, and there's some, and if you take Chick Corea, maybe there's about a handful of songs that are actually really good. And same thing with Herbie Hancock, all those people that came out of the, I like Herbie Hancock. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Herbie's like, he's, he's more than a jazz guy. He's an overall artist. Yes. And all those people that came out of the birth of cool jazz, uh, uh, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, all right. the all the song, all the people that came out of that were really great jazz musicians. But mm-hmm. then it kind of morphed into this other thing that was, you know, neither jazz or rock. It was just you know mock or whatever. Mock. It was just yeah, mock. <laughs> you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and we're not up to this yet, but I'm yes. really curious is this whole thing about Americana. You know, when yes. I I we I was a child of this. 60s and 70s and it was called folk music yes, or yes, folk yes. rock folk what is rock. this um, what is where did this americana come from uh i think it was a a 
uh, an expression to not call it folk rock because folk rock, <laughs> well, folk rock was, was implied the birds, right? You know, the birds and John Prine, John Prine, uh, Bob Dylan, all those type mm-hmm. of things. And when Americana was coined, which was probably around the same time I had my record deal, which was about 1989, mm-hmm. um, and it was just starting out, it was all that old music done on acoustic instruments with melodies and songs, but it wasn't 60s music. You know, it wasn't music of the 60s. So you could put a right. new tag, put a new tag on it. I wasn't just doing, you know, old uh, Pete Seeger songs. You right. Know? Right. As and a matter I, of fact, I listen to a bunch of your music and it does have that feeling of that time. Right. Yes. But it is it's contemporary of that yes. time. Yes. And so I, I and to tell you the truth, I know nothing about country music. Um and I knew nothing about country music until you know, recently, of course I know about all the, you know, uh yeah. legends of country music, but I did not play it when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um the but only I don't thing get, folk yeah. and country are yeah. different though. I know, right. But sometimes They're they different. get them confused. They and, do. Uh, uh, the only thing I did that was country was that we we listened to a lot of you know, I mean the biggest country I would listen to would be like, uh, uh, Behind Closed Doors by Charlie, Charlie Rich or something like that, and that's how I mean, when I was playing the piano I mm-hmm. noticed that the guy this guy's name was Pig Robbins the piano player and he used to go didn't didn't this little like little trill thing on the piano or the a little and that was country countryism. And that was, and so I would use it in everybody, everything. I go, oh, you're you're very country. The other thing I knew about country was Elton John. I'm a, everything Elton I know John. about. Yeah, yeah. Listen to old Elton John. He plays. He's playing country piano. Stop. He no, all the first four records. He was really into Americana. Honky American, tonk, actually yes. honky tonk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So I and I I um I was lucky enough to where they had sheet music back then. Of mm-hmm. Elton John's real what he played on the piano rather than some transcription of the melody. So I would learn what Elton was playing. I think um, Rocket Man was the first song I learned. And then I just learned everything of Elton John. That's how I learned how to play pop piano, because oh. otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do it. I would have played some hor- horrible form of jazz or something which is what everybody was doing. And it's what the Toto guys were doing. That's what you <laughs> that's what you're expected to do. Nothing right. about Toto. Toto, great, uh, you know, big uh, success of the of, from the valley. You know, Valley Boys <laughs> make success. They really are. I mean, they're they're huge, obviously. You know, yes, and they are. Are really good. And uh, D- uh, David Page is an amazing player. He wrote. He did a session when he was fourteen years old. He did. Wow. Uh, Diamond Girl by uh, Seals and Cross was uh-huh. him when he was fourteen years old. What? Fourteen years old. Yes. Really. Yes. I no. think he might have been. He might have been all of 15. OK, so, you know. Wow. Yeah. No, these guys were like they were advanced. <laughs> so. Wow. You know, yeah. And so, Phil, you. So. So. OK, so you're playing with your 12 year old partner whose name. Bill Bonk. Yes. It's Bill Bonk. And yes. you guys were called the. Oh, well, back then we were called all sorts of things. But later oh. <laughs> we later when we actually had a band. It was called the Brothers Figaro. And, and the that, Brothers Figaro Brothers got Figaro. a deal. Yes. On got. Geffen Records from. Uh, a guy named uh, Jeff Fenster, and then we were turned over to Tom Zutow, who's like the big uh, guy who did Guns N' Roses and all those people. Uh, that wasn't really a good move, actually, because, you know, when you get tossed over to somebody, we knew at the time, if you get signed, I don't know if you know, if you know about this, uh, you get signed by an A&R guy, you got to stick with him, because if he leaves, then everybody else is like, oh, you're old, you're somebody else's baby, I don't care. It happened to a lot of my friends in the yes, 80s. Zaraya, uh, yeah, a, a no. lot of my friends. And yeah. you get you get what you get is the six week um, 
you get the six week term. If, <laughs> if nothing, if nothing happens within six weeks, of your record coming out, you're pretty much out of there. You're like, yeah. you're over. And we did, we did the same thing. We made a, a fantastic, great record. We had, uh, Van Dyke Parks did string arrangements on it. We had wow. David David Lindley, who was our dream. To he played all the like weird instruments. He played violin. <laughs> I mean, when we were growing up, it was David Lindley was like the god, you know? Wow. And you know, we because we love Crosby, Stills, Nash, you know, right? So. And um, and we had everybody. We had a big producer. We had a big mixer. I mean, everybody was on it. It was like supposed to do really well. And it was like we went. And I'll tell you a story about the going into a record company. Um, the re the we, on the day a record came out, the mm -hmm. president of the record label, we'll name nameless, but he, uh, we went to his office. He goes, hey, let me take you in office. And he goes, you know, he goes, your record came out today. That's a really good day for you. He goes, you know, you have a lot of fans, this label here. A lot of fans. He goes, me? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, and then he looks at me. He goes, you look like my rabbi. Oh, on the day your record comes out, that's just like nasty. That's oh, yeah. just nasty. It was basically uh, saying we're gonna do nothing, so don't oh, expect anything. Yeah. So they didn't do anything with they didn't they no. didn't do anything. No, no. and we yeah. you know of course it had been like five years later when the internet came out, we would have been able to pick it up because we had lots of fans. We still have right. fans telling us it's the best record they ever heard. You know, like oh, thirty years later. But and if we had been able to take that, we would have been able to tour the whole country, like kind of like right. Eric and Dan did, you know, tour the whole country and have uh, a career. But it worked out pretty well because soon after we did the record, I met Howie Epstein and Howie got me involved with John Prime, which I'm sure you want to talk about. Okay, John. we're going to talk about John in a minute because I know that you first played with Joan Baez. Is that correct? Yeah, when I was a, I was very young. Yes. So how did that happen? Okay. Well, one of the bands I was in, not with my friend Bill. Uh, mm -hmm. Not my partner, Bill. But I was in a, a prog rock band that also, like, we love Queen. We had this manager, and her name was Maria, and she mm -hmm. lived in this um, apartment building. And we had the band had broken up many, many, like a year before. Uh -huh. And she calls me up, and she goes, "Phil, she goes, there's a, a woman in here who says she's the manager for Joan Baez, and they just lost her keyboard player. Do you want to do? Do you want to go on tour? It leaves in four days. Whoa! Right? Right?" And I was just a little kid. And how, how old were you? I was well, little kid. Mean, I was yeah. twenty. I was twenty-two. Okay. That's yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. I had never done anything like that. I never. I I don't even think I left home ever. You know, <laughs> I, I still live with my mom. You know, and my mom and my dad. So I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And and then my girlfriend's like, you got to call. You got to call this person. You know, and I go, oh, okay. So okay, I wait. It. Were you a fan of Joan Baez at this point? You know, all I knew was that one song on Woodstock, you know, uh, yeah. Joe Hill or Joe. Yeah. Yeah. John, John Hill. Joe Hill. Joe, yeah. 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 The one about the guy in jail. That did, did, yeah. Anyway. And I knew that she was, you know, friend, yeah, she was a big uh, activist and yes. that she knew Bob Dylan. Yeah. And, uh, and that's all I knew. And then she had that horror. That, that were, you a, were you a Bob Dylan fan? No, not even. I was not a folk fan. I was. Wow. I was a rock. I was rock and roll, and you know, like like I said, at that point, my I loved Emerson, Lincoln Palmer. That was, right. So, that's, so did I. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I listened to pop music because I had to, because I try, was you know playing weddings. That's what we did. Right. We played weddings. Right. 
Right. And so I had to, I had to, and so they said, okay, will you meet with Joan? And I go, great. And so she's having a rehearsal at SIR. And so I go, wait, all right, wait, I got to interrupt you and ask yeah. you one more question. What? Okay. Didn't you think Joan's voice was really weird? I'm sorry, but I always thought her voice was really weird. Yes. Did you not think her voice was really weird? <laughs> well, no, I did. I did. And it's strange because I, I found a bunch of um, cassette tapes just the other, yeah. the other day of, of us rehearsing. And she has a brilliant voice. If you get over the fact that you think it's weird and you just look at it as a voice, she's really super, super good. Always in tune, beautiful tone, you know, great expression, you know. And and uh, Diamonds of Rust is a great tune. So, you know, she, and she wrote that. So I have nothing but admiration for Joan. She um, um, so I went to I went to the rehearsal and I went late. And I said, well, I'm going to be there, but I have to come after my wedding because I wasn't going to cancel my wedding. <laughs> And she told me later, she goes, that was almost like, you know, you almost just didn't even get the audition because why didn't you cancel it for me? And I'm like, well, because I don't do that because that's not the way I do things. I stick to my, you know, my commitments. And I always that's very admirable. Well, it's hard sometimes, but, you know, it's 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 what I did. So luckily she gave me the chance. I went in there. It was like, okay, you're fine because we're leaving in three days. You'll do. You know, I mean, I don't think. If I'd had, if it had been before that, if they'd wow. had three weeks, they might have picked somebody else. Cause I was so green. I was like a little kid. I was like, oh, yeah. wow. and you know, and then getting on a plane and just, it was magic, you know? Wow. And being and, with Joan. Yeah. And so how long did you travel with Joan? I traveled with her only about two or three months. And then we got back together and we did a few more engagements. And then I made the, and then the musical director quit. And so she made me musical director. So I was you know, 22, a musical director. And I talked to some friends of mine. They said, well, if you're a musical director, you better get more money. And I go, yeah, you're right. And, you know, I, and so, so I went to the Sounds manager. like some of your mother's advice. <laughs> I know. But it is decent yeah, advice because yeah. I was in charge of a lot of things. So mm -hmm. I asked for $50, $50, more a week. And I just... That was it. You know, the, the manager said, you don't realize how great of a of a opportunity this is. You'll never get an opportunity like this. You don't know who you are, who you're talking with. And we did one last gig and then she let, you know, that was it. You know, so I go, OK, welcome to the music business. You oh, know? yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so, that, uh, yeah. so yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, oh, well, that scared me for a long time. I had to say I had a lot of shock from that for many, many years afterwards. To this so point. To so, this point, I, I have trouble asking for, for a raise. Like, I, 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 you don't have to give it to me, but. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's hard to stand up for ourselves. It is. Mm -hmm. The people that do it easily, I'm always leery of. Um, so, so after Joan, what who, who else did you play with along the way before you got your own deal? Nobody. That was, that was crazy. It was, then it was like six years of nothing. You know, and I thought, oh, I really blew it. And then I remember seeing Joan on Live Aid mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, ah, oh, I would have been there. I would have been there. I'm an idiot. You know, why did I ask for why did I ask for fifty dollars? Ah, you know, God. and so it was a really, really low point in my in my career mm -hmm. because I was literally playing weddings and parties. And, you know, and then I had my mom who was like in one ear going, so you're going to be in a wedding band the rest of your life. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was always doing that. <laughs> I mean, I love my mom. You know, I love my mom, but she was always, you know, that was her advice. Like, you got to go for the, you know, go for it. And I go, Mom, I'm not like you, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And I wasn't. I didn't have her personality like that, you know, because she would have just gone for it. But, you know, whatever. I, I did it the way I did it. I met a lot of people. I met enough people. I got to the point where I had I started working with a guy named Tim Scott, who now lives in Norway. He had had a few records on Geffen. Mm-hmm. He was the first guy that I'd ever played uh, who had ever had a record. And mm-hmm. this was like four years after the Joan thing besides Joan. Right. And I'd done like little things here and there, but mostly play weddings. And so I started working with him and um, he goes, well, I have this one song. And he had a record that was produced by Mitchell Froome. And he had one song that that David Hilgado from Los Lobos had played Mm -hmm. the accordion on. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, I got an accordion. Will you play the accordion on it? Will you learn how to play the accordion for for my song? Here we go. The accordion story is coming. That's it. So I (laughs) played the accordion and I... I played wait, wait, it. wait. So what do you mean you played the accordion? You can't just pick up an accordion and play an accordion. I, I, I played it for a few days. I played, I practiced a song and then we played some shows. Wait, wait, it, let's go back to yeah. the accordion for okay, a minute. Yes. So I'm in awe. There really? aren't a lot of people that play the accordion. Well, you know, in all fairness, it was like a little, a little accordion. I still play the little ones. It only had, the, there was a few buttons, but it was mostly just the right side, which is the same. It's a keyboard accordion. So it has the same um, keyboard as a piano. Right. So, and then you just had to learn how to breathe. You, which, uh, yeah. No, yeah, you which, just... Well, it's like, it's like singing. So I, you know, I sang. So, you know, I kind of like, okay, you want to phrase it. I picked it up pretty easily. I don't know. Maybe I was, you know, I, I had a propensity towards it. Whatever it was, I was able to play it. And from the first day, we played a show. And Marvin Etzioni, who was a, a big Americana guy, who was mm-hmm. in a, another band called uh, 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 with uh, Maria McKee, um, Lone Justice. Mm-hmm. And um, he heard me play and he goes, Oh man, this is great. You want to play with my band, you know? And I go, okay. So I started, I, all of a sudden I was known as an accordion player and people started calling me, calling me, calling me, calling me. And then it led up to, um, I did my record deal. I was playing. And then after I did my record deal, I, my, my manager had known, um, Vicky, was it Vicky? Whoever's the, the drummer, the bass player in the go-go's. Okay. He managed her, uh, Hamilton. No, not Hamilton. That's somebody else. Vicky Valentine, I think it was, her name was, yes. And she was friends with Carlene Carter, who from the Carter family, you know, Carlene mm-hmm. Carter. And her boyfriend was Howie Epstein. And uh, she needed accordion on one song. And so he called me and I went down there and Howie and I just got along. I didn't do anything. I didn't do any of the stuff that my mom does. I didn't schmooze anybody. <laughs> I didn't like buy him beers or do... <laughs> You know, because that's, you know, that's what it's like, or send them little cards with my name on it. <laughs> and he, he just took a liking to me. He goes, I want you to come down. And I played on six songs in the record. And he called me. He goes, I'm going to work on John Prine's new record. Are you in? And I go, and literally, all I knew about John Prine. No, don't tell me I'm you sorry. didn't know John Prine. No. Go is ahead. That my partner, Bill. Yes. His wife at the time just loved John Prine. And they were at the show, the John Prine Live at the Coach House. Mm-hmm. And so he was a he was a big fan. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna play with this guy, John Prine. I know that you know him. He's like, Oh my god, he's great. Because you're gonna you're gonna be in awe. So I go, Okay, you know, I knew that he was great. I knew he was so went down and Howie like played me this song that I was gonna do and it's called uh, All the Best. 
and is on this record, his comeback record, mm-hmm. which is uh, The Missing Years, mm-hmm. and uh, how he's producing it. And John was just kind of looking down the whole time like this, kind of shuffling his feet because he was embarrassed because he was listening to the song. And I listened to the song and I heard the verse about, um, I know what, I know love, I know what love's for, um, I know what love was for, you decorate, the tr- it's like, no, love is like a Christmas tree, you decorate the, you know, love is like a Christmas card, you decorate the tree, then you throw it in the yard, it decays and dies, and the snowman melts, well, once I knew love, I knew how love felt, right, talking about his ex-wife. And it was like he had just broken up with her, too. So it was raw. And if you know John, he wasn't like a believe it or not. He wasn't a very emotional guy. He was like a guy. He was like a guy guy. You know, I met him a couple times. Yeah. I would say that was the loved, best. loved to smoke, loved to drink. You know, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. God, that's right. And so it was it was so sensitive. And I was listening going, this is either really brilliant or it's the biggest piece of shit I ever heard. <laughs> And then and then it was strange. It was a strange thing because as I thought about it, because I thought about it while I was playing it. And as I was playing about it, I was like almost tearing up while I'm playing. It's like, oh, my God, this song is so real and sensitive. And then, of course, when I started playing with him, because then when he asked me afterwards, this is a funny story, too. He asked me after he's like he's shuffling his feet because he'd always like kind of look down. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if you do this sort of thing, but um uh, Bonnie, Bonnie Raid asked me if she'd open up for him, and I guess I, I, I should get some people to play with me. And I was wondering if you'd like to come and 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 go on the road with me. I, 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 I don't know if you want to, right? It's like just like that, oh and I go, my. and I go, and without thinking, goes, well, can I, can I bring my friend Bill? It's like, <laughs> that's like asking for the you were so lucky. That's like asking for the 50 bucks. Oh, my God. But it went okay. better this time. Oh, it went better. He goes, well, what does he play? I go, he plays guitar. He goes, well, have him come down. We'll play. And he, he came down, and he liked him. And so we ended up playing two. I played two years with Bill together, and he was the, the drummer. He was the guitar player and the bass mm-hmm. player for a while. And then we started a big band, and Bill did other things, and we did other things, and he got an all-Nashville band. But for two years, I went out with my best friend because he was my best friend. And we got into adventures, you know, we did all the adventures that you want to do when you're, you know, when you're getting into adventures, you know, I'm going on the road. Let me talk about adventures for a minute with, as far as John Prine. The, um, okay. So I became a John Prine fan, John Prine fan in 1974. My first husband was a maniac about him and I thought I was late to the party. Right. And, um, uh, that's the way the world goes round is oh, yeah. my favorite song like this. Once again, his, his lyrics are. No. It's hard. Amazing. It's hard to believe that he's a guy and not sensitive. But, <laughs> I I, but, but I've met him, and so that makes sense to me. But yeah. but his lyrics are—he always makes me cry. He, no, no, yeah, no, he is like like all the ones. And then of course his partner, you know, who who wrote souvenirs. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who wrote the song about the. Uh, anyway, you know, who I'm talking about. He helped get him signed, as well. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, Steve uh, Steve Goodman. Oh, Steve, yes. Steve Goodman wrote. So, all right. He wrote souvenirs. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I saw them together. Twice, yes, of course. Yeah. Like the greatest shows of, and I talked to them together afterward. Steve, and I and my him. and my old man too. He wrote my old man, which is an amazing song. Right. Yes. yes you know. He yes. he I, he's yeah. written a, a ton of songs that yes, I love. Right. I love Steve Goodman. Yes, and, of course. And he died way too young. Way it, too young. Yes. I so, didn't know that he wrote souvenirs. I believe he did. I, if I'm not wow. mistaken, I believe he did. Yes. So, but you know, they were in the same vein. That's why you yes. thought it was a job prize. So when I consequently, when I went out with John, 
Yeah. I would go and I was all into my rock and roll phase and I yeah. was just like, you know, uh, you know, I'm like using my mandolin and looking out the audience and seeing who the cute girls were doing all that <laughs> stuff, you know, flashing a green at them, doing all that rock and roll because I was young. I was like 30, you know, so. Are you playing I, accordion with? Yes. With, you oh, yeah. are. I played oh. accordion, accordion and mandolin and. Uh, I know you sli- played mandolin. Slide, oh. slide guitar. Love and that's what I was. Guitar. Yes. So I was doing those three. And uh, I was just having a good time and I never really listened to lyrics. And then one day I I, like sat back and I was like not playing and I listened to lyrics. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I I think I just know what the song is about. I just got it after hearing it like a gazillion times. So I go to John. I go, I'm listening. It was six o'clock news. Mm -hmm. Six o'clock news. Like, is that song about because I I have to admit because we're all guys. It's like six o'clock news has this weird chorus that says, Come on, baby, spend the night with me. You know, so you're like thinking, yeah, John, good, good one. I, let's get more songs like that here. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. It was early, you know, it was early in rock and roll. And that's what, you know, that's right. what drove young men. Yes. And um, I never heard the rest of the lyrics. And then all of a sudden I realized it's a song about a, a kid who realizes he's the, you know, uh, the spawn of incest and it, and he kills himself, you know, like, Oh my God, this song is so, so like meaningful and I never even got it. So, I mean, that's the way I always saw John is that like, cause he was such a dude, you never, you never would expect that these songs would mean so much. And they, they did. And you, all and of they, them. Yeah. All of them. There's not one that doesn't mean a lot. Sam Stone. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Even dear Abby, such a, yes, I know. He's just so clever. He's just, he was so clever. Yeah. So it made it very hard to kind of try to write lyrics after that because you're like, okay, uh, can I sound, can I write a lyric as good as John Prine? Ugh. Wow. That's but, a big order. <laughs> nobody can, nobody yeah. writes a lyric. I mean, you know, Dylan was political and social scene, but John Prine's lyrics were so personal yes. and relationship driven. Yes. Like correct. nobody writes that stuff like him. Nobody. No, nobody. Yeah, I know. I know. Yes. So, so, so tell me an adventure. Uh, so the first time I met him, he and Steve Goodman were outside of Carnegie Hall after their concert. And my husband and I were groupies and we, we waited at the stage door and they talked to us for a half hour in the street, schlepping their guitars. And they were so nice. Right. I met him later, like when you were playing with him yeah. at the Ritz in New York, upstairs in the green room. And he was loaded out of his mind. Yeah. And it was so set. It, it, it destroyed me to see him right. that way. And yeah. So, I, I've I've heard a lot of people tell me the same story, and then of course after he, he had a bout with cancer and he slowed down quite a bit. You know, he stopped smoking obviously, and he stopped he stopped drinking as much. But he was definitely a bad boy. You know, it was came from the, you know, he was like uh, like Waylon Jennings. You know. So That's did what, you ever get in trouble on the road with John? <laughs> did you guys ever get? Come on, give us a story. Oh, I can't tell any of these stories. Oh come on. <laughs> No, okay. There was there was a time that that uh, that we were having a, a party, and I never tell this story, and I'll probably get in trouble for this. But <laughs> we're, we're having a party in the room after the show, and and there were some girls who came, and there was you know his his road manager, and um, and uh, I, I like to call it the night the girl died in in the dress in the in our um, in our hotel room, mm-hmm. and um, she didn't die, but she didn't look so good. And I don't know uh, if she had been taking drugs or whatever. I really didn't see anything going on. She might've 
shown up loaded. But her girlfriend comes out of the bathroom going, my, oh, she's screaming. It's like, she's dead. She's dead. My girlfriend's dead. And I remember seeing the horror on John's face like, no. Right. It's so, so. Oh, my uh, God. You know, I don't know. It's a good adventure. So anyway, so his road manager went in there and he was so great. He's like, he goes, she's like all screaming, hysterical. And she goes, you got to get out of here. And he went over to the girl. And he's like slapping her face. He goes, come on, honey. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And like, finally, she got like, oh, oh, what happened? You know, and she was fine. She was fine. Wow. She goes, she goes, you guys ain't got, you guys got any more beer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So did you have, so was he somebody that would sit and shoot the shit? John, oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He would shoot the shit with us, but a lot of times, he was he was kind of from. Um, I like to mention Navarro all the time. That basically, if you were his fan and you hung out long long enough, you would end up being his friend. Yeah. So, we, everywhere we went, there were he had friends. Excuse me, and they were they were fans. It just ended up like he got to like them because it's like they're cool. You know, and they would go and they would go to dinner and then they would go to the show and then, you know, and they'd That's hang so out. And talk. Great. Oh, yeah. He had thousands of friends. He loved he loved people. You know, he was a man of many words. But, you know, when he spoke like Bill, Bill always said, he goes, sometimes me and Bill, because we're like, yeah, we would always like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, and John would just kind of go. And then we'd be saying all this stuff and then he would say nothing for an hour and then he would say something and it would just be the funniest thing ever. You know, like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And we're like, why can't we be like that? <laughs> so wow. So so by the time you were playing with John, Steve was already gone, right? Oh yeah, way gone. Had, yes, had, had passed. Yeah. And so um, so you you were with John for a long time. Yeah, from ninety one to like almost two thousand. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, what ended that relationship? Well, you know. Um, he was he'd he'd had a, a band from Nashville and Indiana, which were a little closer. And at that time, um, he wasn't working a whole lot. And I was still at a point in my in my musical career where I was needing to, like, get a full time job mm-hmm. that I could really, you know, like, uh, you know, like whatever, you know, work enough to make enough for a living. Sure. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know about the music business, but you know, a lot of people think it pays a lot of money, but it really, it really does not. It's, yeah. it's a, you're just like a, a worker, just like everybody else. Right. And you're lucky if you can make more than the average person doing a job makes, you know, and most of the time you make less than that. Right. So it's always a struggle. It's why a mm-hmm. lot of musicians are like living with their girlfriends or, you know, living up with their parents. <laughs> yeah. So I was, you know, I was at a point in my career and I was getting a lot of calls from, you know, different people. I got I got a call from Dave Cause. He wanted me to play with him. And so I took time off of of John's thing to do that. And and, you know, John was not happy, understandably so. You know, he wanted somebody who was going to, you know, dedicate themselves to him. And mm-hmm. I, I, unfortunately, at, at that point, I'd been doing it for nine years and. We didn't we really seriously did not work enough weeks out of the year for me to be able to say, I'm just going to do that. Whereas right. the other guys did, because they to tell you the truth, they lived in Nashville and they lived in Indiana where, you know, it's like cost one tenth the price it did in right. Los Angeles to live. Right. So, you know, I actually I had I had a nut that I had to fill and I, you know. Right. So I was you know known as, you know, Hollywood Phil for a while or L.A. Phil. Ooh, <laughs> L.A. Phil. <laughs> 
Didn't yeah. you get your name, uh, Mr. Squeezebox? Tell us how you got that name. Oh, yeah. That was a, that, that was a firm of prime thing. Um, when I used to come in, uh, actually, the name, the guy who coined it was a guy named Joe Ramirez, who was the engineer, and he was the, the drummer on those tracks. And he would always go, Mr. Squeeze. And then, you know, and Prine loved that. And so when he wrote this song called The Sins of Mephisto, he wrote into it, listening to the music of Mr. Squeeze. And he was talking about me. So it was like, nice. You know, so I felt like, you know, I've arrived. I've arrived. That's very cool. When you yeah. get a nickname from John Prine, that's a pretty cool thing. I think so. I, I just thought of my favorite Steve Goodman song. It's called I'm Attracted to You. It's this beautiful little ditty not didn't get famous it's a b-side i like i like all their b-tracks all, right. both of those guys yeah. they, they had great b-sides so okay so for so so you got so you did this all with john prine then yeah. you need to make a living so what happens from there well at at that point i did i did work a little bit with with uh dave cause and a mm. lot of people think that was really a weird spin but <laughs> in reality the the thing is that we had um we had competing wedding bands when I was growing up. So he was in a wedding band and it was like whoever got the wedding, it was either his band, which was called sound advice and, or us, <laughs> we were called uh, Onyx. And, uh, and so he either got the band or he got the wedding or we got mm -hmm. the wedding. So that's hysterical. <laughs> then he got his career as being a smooth jazz saxophonist and he was doing very well. I played with, you know, quite a few big people mm -hmm. in that, in that realm. I had no interest in going into that field whatsoever. And so, but then he got to a, a, a crossroads and he said, I want to try something new. I've heard about this Americana music. This is no lie. And he goes, and I want to see if I can get the saxophone to sound good in Americana. So he did this record and he had wow. Greg, he had Greg Lease play on it and he had uh, uh, Jim Cox play on it and all these Americana guys. I can't remember who the drummer was. And, um, he made this record. It was very earthy, had a lot of acoustic guitar, had accordion in it. I didn't play the accordion. He didn't know me. He didn't think of me at the time. Jim played the accordion mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, pedal steel, which was Greg. And Greg called me up and he goes, I did this thing with Dave Cos. He's looking for, you know, Americana musicians and he knows you already. He wants you to do it. And I go, I'm not playing smooth jazz, you know, and he goes, no, no, this is it's it's good. And he goes, and so I talked to Dave and I go, Dave, I know you, I don't play smooth jazz. I don't do this. And he goes, no, I want you to do it. I go, I really not the guy for this. And he kept, of course, then it came to money and he kept up in the money. Up the money. <laughs> and I go, okay, I'll go down for the audition, you know? And I got the audition and luckily my friends all got it with me. So it was a guy, uh, Bruce, Bruce Watson, who plays with foreigner now. And, and Doug Pettibone, who's a big Americana guy, and a guy named Steve O'Thard. And we all were American. We all knew each other. And we mm -hmm. went and we had the greatest time ever. And we got lots wow. of adventure, bad adventures. That <laughs> I tell. Oh, and, come on. What's a yeah, bad I adventure? I wanna, other than a girl maybe dying, but not dying. No. Oh, going uh, out. I don't know. Stupid things like hanging out all night with, you know, transvestite and going <laughs> dancing. I mean, stuff like that. And then <laughs> coming in at at six at seven o'clock in the morning while Dave is leaving to go to an interview and he gave us a dirty look. It's like, do you guys just got in? And like, and then we had to have a talking to in the, in the back of the, the back of the bus about our drinking problem, you know? <laughs> and at that point I said, you wanted a rock and roll band. This is rock and roll. <laughs> Excellent. But, but when I got together with Dave, I said, 
I'm not playing any bell sounds, you know, because I was really big. And I'm not playing any syncopations. I'm going to just play on the beat. You guys do the syncopations. I'm going to play on the other beats. And he goes, okay. So, uh, so I did that. And I got with a great band called Grantley Buffalo, which was an amazing Americana, pop America kind of band. We played uh, worldwide, played a lot of great shows in Australia. It was, it was the closest thing to having my own band where I really, I mean, they were like Pink Floyd. It, I don't know if you wow. ever heard them. Really good. Oh, and Grant is an amazing, also amazing songwriter, amazing lyricist. Still does records. He lives out in Nashville now. But I love the music. Me and Bill both were in it. So Bill and I were, were, were able to play together. He played bass. I played the keyboards. We had such a fun time. It was rock and roll. That was our last little jaunt at rock and roll. And then after that, um, played with a few things, Sean Mullins. And then, you know, and then uh, that was all about by the year 2001, then it started, the music business started changing you know, drastically. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of years of, um, you know, kind of doing other things. Um, making it by still always playing music. I was always doing sessions, but Wait, never did going you have out. to do job job? Did you have to do a job job? Uh, the only job job I did was I worked part time at a place called Taxi, and I don't know if you know what Taxi is, but it's a uh, music um, referral company, and basically that uh, amateur songwriters would send in songs mm-hmm. for the hope that they would get send along to a publisher that's looking for maybe a song for Kenny Rogers or for right. most, mostly country music. Uh-huh. So I had to learn about a lot about modern country, which is what she did strangely. Wow. And what you had to do was when people sent in these songs and mm-hmm. they were amateur songs and they were, some were really super bad and you had to listen to them. <laughs> and then you had to write something cr- constructive criticism about oh. the song. Yeah. So that's what I did. And uh, in the words of the, the woman who did it before, like I was there maybe one day she was there it was this girl, you know, a singer that you might have heard Katy Perry. We did it for a while. Uh-huh. And she was, yeah, she was just getting her record deal and she was all done up. And she later said that she worked for the company. She didn't say the company. She goes, it was soul crushing because you had to, you know, <laughs> because these people oh. were really thinking they had a chance. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. And I could I think that was the best description of of what I did. So I did that for many years with a few friends of mine, almost everybody in the Americana community. And we'd all like look at each other with like this look like, oh, my God. What I always said, you think, where did I go wrong in my life? What decision did I make to leave me to here? You know, (laughs) oh, God. Oh, God. And then Uh, luckily, luckily, I just stuck. I just kept to my guns and I I just. I, I, I read, a, I, I got really into, into meditation. I read a few good books, The Power of Now, um, yeah. The Law of Attraction. Mm-hmm. I, I had already read Creative Visualization. I know some people think this is voodoo. I've read all those books. Okay, yes, I, I believe in all that stuff. I really do. Whether you can do it all the time, I it's can't, hard. You can't. But, but if you could just focus for a moment mm-hmm. and... What it does, it doesn't mean it's like a lot of people. Oh, like you're just going to think yourself into success. <laughs> and I go, there was another book called uh, Think Yourself Rich, which is a book written in that the 20s. That one I didn't read. Yeah. And that was a book from the 20s. And mm-hmm. it was all about setting your mind up for success. Right. And people think it's like, oh, you're just going to think about it and then you're going to be successful. And I go, no, you, you set yourself up. And then all of a sudden ideas come to you. And so the idea was like. I don't have a lot to do, so I'm just going to really practice the piano. I'm going to really practice the accordion. I'm going to get, I'm going to get rid of all those um, 
parts that I wasn't happy with in my plane. I was going to write, work on writing. We're going to work on always thinking positive. And out of the blue, I got a, a call from Keith or Sutherland who called me himself. Well, actually, his manager called me. And then he called me himself. He's a great guy, by the way. He always does. He talks to you personally. He doesn't have some manager call His you. His person, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he always tells you exactly what's going on. And he's always been straight shooter. It's really super amazing. And he, uh, is, he, is he talented in that, in this, in music? I think that he has, first of all, he has a really good uh, voice um, that he's working on to develop, but he has a good initial voice, kind of almost a Chris Christopherson, real gruff wow. type of, you uh-huh. know, like storyteller voice. His songs as well are very intuitive. Um, I think I think he is. And, you know, he always gets the right people around him to make it sound good. Cool. I, I think he's very good. I You know, people mm-hmm. like uh, singer songwriters you know, are uh, actors who want to be musicians. And there are a lot of them, you know. And I kind of go, mm, whatever. But uh, I think he's a real deal, and he really works at it. He's really dedicated That's to so it. That's so great. He yeah. was like a bad boy back in the day. Is he, has he cleaned up his act? Is he a different oh, guy now? He is. Mm-hmm. He, I can honestly say he's one of the hardest working people I know wow. just in, in, in terms of music and in terms of acting. He wow. is, you know, he's, unfortunately, I think for some people, he's so hardworking that he's got that thing where he expects everybody else to be up to his level. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that looks, you know, doesn't look so good on the other side. But mm-hmm. I know where it comes from. It comes from right. like he's had his crosses to bear. He's had his, you know, whatever problems he's had to get over. So he figures if I right. could do it, you can do it, too. Uh huh. You know, which is, you know, I it's it's I, I have nothing but, you know, respect for him when he Did goes you- for a movie. It's like he's he's and he's a good actor, too. I've watched he's a wonder. He's a wonderful yeah. actor. So he's not like a hack actor. You know, I'm not going to name the ones, but you know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of them. He's a real deal. He's it's really funny that you're about talking it. about him. So uh, my uh, my good friend, James Morrison, who was on the show last week, played Bill Buchanan on 24, who was Kiefer's oh, OK. Yes. Why he played the head of the CTU. And uh, I'll see him in Ojai on Saturday. As a matter oh, okay, nice, I, would, nice. I should hook you up because Kiefer and. Yeah, Jane. Anyway, yeah, everything is very. Right? Everything. Yeah, is and then actually, when we were growing, when we were going to um, to Largo all the time, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Sue, Mary Lynn Rapid. Rapid. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to say her last yeah. name, anyway, but she, I know yeah. she was the one on the telephone. Yeah. Yes. In twenty four. Yes. She. I knew her Priscilla very well. Too. or something. Yeah. I knew, something. Yeah. I knew her very well. I knew her as oh, a wow. fun. She's a comedian. And so right. you know, I saw her in yeah. the show. It's like, this is not funny. What's going on? But, you know, so I, I, I knew there's only so many degrees from from him that I knew, along with the degrees of uh, of Kevin Bacon, which I have met Kevin Bacon. So there's no degrees there. And I have talked I have to him. To. No, you have. I actually went to his wife's house to teach her ukulele because she wanted to learn the ukulele. How cool is that? Yeah. And then and then he came in. He was all like he was like checking me out going who's this guy talking to my wife he's like hey how you doing like uh i'm kevin like yeah okay i kind of knew that you know but he was they were totally cool both of them they were like no problem kevin used to live with uh tracy pollen who married uh michael j fox but my father's wife was tracy pollen's aunt oh he went used to go to brunch and stuff with oh, okay. so everybody's got two degrees of Kevin. Bacon. Oh, I know. That's why they, that's why they make it up. That's, that's what right. They say. It's just yes. a thing. Yes. So did you ever get to meet Donald Sutherland? No, I haven't. I really oh. hope to. He's such a legend. And oh what, my also God. Again, still, I mean, he talks very highly of, he still does three movies a year. He's like 83 wow. years old or 84 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
He just still does. And he was in the, a really big show just recently. I can't, my wife watched it. I can't remember what it yes. was. Yes. He was in the one with Nicole Kidman and, and Hugh Grant. Uh, yes. The, un, the Undoing. Yes. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know. Yes, yes. I, you know, strangely enough, I know mostly obviously from MASH. Of course. And, and from, um, from the video he did with Kate Bush, because I love Kate Bush. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a video he did where he's like the scientist, the weird scientist guy. And it's, he's great. Cause he's he just, also has that yeah. great little role in Animal House where he plays. Oh, the, my God. Are you kidding? <laughs> with his naked ass. Uh, yes. No, you know, what, you know what's really funny is that Kiefer told me a story because I go, that is my favorite movie ever. And he goes, you know, my dad, they offered him a piece of the movie and he turned it down because he goes, ah, this movie is not going to amount to anything. And he just oh. took he just took a pay. He goes, it was the biggest mistake he ever made in his life. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's great. Because he was the biggest star by he far. He was totally the biggest star. Yeah. Yes. I that's know. That's crazy. And, of course, he was great. Well, his, you know, his his just presence is so amazing. He's just got that face, you know. He's, anything yeah. he does is amazing. He's no, amazing. No. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, you've you've played with a lot of amazing people, and I just yes. I want a quick story of, with each of them. Elvis oh. Costello. What was the, oh God, Elvis Costello? What, okay. what was that about? Don't know him very well. Two. I've I've run into him twice. One once he came. He was going to come to a Prime show when we played in Australia or mm-hmm. Australia. I think it was, and uh, he didn't show up. And I was like kind of disappointed and I was on the side of the stage and we did the second song. All of a sudden, two chairs come like on the side of the stage, not in the, on the side. And there's Elvis and Steve Naive, who's the most amazing keyboard player ever. And they're just sitting there watching me like this. Right. And so and so I met him afterwards. I was a little intimidated, but, you know, I played nonetheless. And then the second time was we did a show which was on VH1 where they take country stars and they mix them with. Um, rock and roll stars and they play each other's songs and I was with Lucinda Williams who's not really country but they call her country right right and Elvis was the rock guy and so I got to play a bunch of Elvis songs with him and there's a really good version of both of them singing uh, Wild Horses the Stone song with us was backing them up and it's really actually very good it's on is youtube it, is it oh i'll have to check that yeah. out that's that, yeah. that's very cool yeah so i didn't uh, have really much interaction with him but i've always you know i mean he's great uh, what can i say he's amazing. amazing yes um uh, iron butterfly really? oh yeah 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 so um who's that? two guys that were still alive one guy is still alive there's only one guy still alive two guys still alive and there was other the one other guy and then the keyboard player like what had emphysema and couldn't make it anymore so i knew uh, a, a sub drummer. He called me to go to um, South America. We got to San Paulo to do this uh, street festival. And it was like mm-hmm. 500,000 people. And we played and uh, we played in a Vida, of course. And I, I sang it. I was singing the lead because they go, will you sing the song? Because wow. they said the, the organ player always sang the song. So I guess you're singing the song. And I go, OK. So wow. I had to learn the song. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then I did a few other shows with them, too. But it, it was nothing like that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. You sang in the God's <laughs> I want to hear that. Yeah, uh, I think it's online too. That's very cool. How about uh, John Bon Jovi? What was that about? Uh, I got a call from um, uh, Kuchmar, right? You know Kuch, right? Yes, I do. And he called me, and this was when we had phone machines, and I got this phone machine. He goes like, hey, Phil, this is Dan Kuch. <laughs> Kuchmar, he goes, I'm in the studio with, with John Bon Jovi. We need some accordion. Are you going to come in or what? Call me back. And I'm like, 
who's this guy? I, I did the typical thing. Like, I don't ever heard those stories about Michael Jackson calling somebody to play with him. And he's like, who is this? Stop doing this to me. You know, why are you doing this? Like, no, this is really Michael Jackson. <laughs> so it was kind of like that. Is this really Cooch? Because, I mean, I grew up, you know, uh, James Taylor and Bill and I were like, you know, James Taylor was, he might as well have been God, you know? Yes. So we knew Cooch very well. He was the guy who cleaned James Taylor and got him, you know, and so that he got his first record deal. So we knew Cooch, and, you know, so I didn't believe it was him, and he called me. And sure I enough, didn't know was, that, that that part of the story, actually. Which? Oh, yeah. That he got James Taylor clean. I did not yeah, know Yeah, because there was, yeah, it, there's there's a bunch of stories about him when they when he had his band. They all had a band together. I think it was uh, Flying Machine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he went into really, James went into really, you know, bad addiction. Mm-hmm. And I think that that they wanted like Peter Asher was interested in him and he couldn't clean up. And I think, it, I believe the story is Dan, Dan got him to like get it together enough to do the audition. So they got to do, you know, they got to do the record. And basically if it weren't for Peter Asher, I mean, I don't know who knows who James Taylor would be, you know, so. Lee Sklar talked a bit about it. So yeah. I'm, I'm if I'm, to... if I'm wrong, I'm, mm-hmm. I apologize, but no, 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 that's a, it makes sense. It's okay. Yeah. So, okay. So me. I went so... down to a and we did, we did a, a song called uh, miracle for strangely enough, a, a, a movie called young guns Two, which mm-hmm. Kiefer was in it, but, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I didn't meet him until many, many years later. Right. And, but the first time I ever met Kiefer was, I was playing with John. I mean, he was playing with uh, Rod Stewart and he came down to the the bar that we always used to go to on 55th and one of the guys knew him and he was sitting at the end of the bar smoking a cigarette and drinking and uh and he and my friend was like this is Kiefer Sutherland he's like uh like he was like very it's like okay and so when I met Kiefer I said to say I did meet you in 92 but you know I didn't work with him until 2019 so wow yeah everything is so cyclical oh no it is it is so it's like it was you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's I, I hate to keep going back to this thing about the the voodoo and the books and all that stuff, but the universe is an amazing place. That if you just work with it, like creative visualization, you work with it, you set an intent, and it may look like it's all going to hell because it does a lot of times, especially if you try to hang on too tight. You know, and it's the same thing true with getting married. I never wanted to get married. I never thought about getting married. I know, you know, and my wife just came to me, you know, how long have you been married? We've been married 20 years now. There you go. So, and we've, we're still, even through the COVID thing, when we had to spend like practically 24 hours together and all my (laughs) friends were saying, I fucking, I have to get away from my wife. She's crazy. (laughs) You know, that, that every time my wife, even went to the the supermarket, I'd be like, I wish you'd come back soon. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if I'm just incredibly dependent. I don't even, she'd be mad at me. I don't know if it's just, if it's just me, not her, you know, but whatever. But I, I really do. She's my best friend, you know, and I love it. I wouldn't have guessed that by when we first met. Cause it was, it did not seem How'd you like meet? we met at a, at a show I was doing with Dan Navarro and, and Eric and Dan, and also mm-hmm. Dylan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. We were playing over at this Christmas, um, show at the hard rock cafe mm-hmm. for the station that my wife used to work for KCSA, which was the Americana station in the nineties. And she was there as one of the DJs because she was a DJ. And for some reason she was hanging out with Dylan, with Brian, Dylan O'Brien. And mm-hmm. I saw that he was talking to her and I thought, Ooh, who's this cute girl that, that Dylan's talking to. So I went over and started talking to her and she, I got her number because that's what you did back. You got people's numbers. Never <laughs> called her. I never wow. called. Her. 
she ran into me many months later. She goes, Hey, you never called me. And which was her mistake. I go, Oh, you noticed I didn't call you. Okay. Well, (laughs) now I know you dig me. So, you know, and then, you know, then we broke up about a hundred times and then we got married. So that's that's a good story. I like that story. Oh yeah. Great story. Yeah. You know, I believe all that, the hoodoo voodoo stuff, all the creative visualization and all of that stuff. You have to be really careful what I found in what you wish for, because if you leave something out, it can be crucial to the story. Yes, exactly. Because you know, I always wanted to to mingle amongst my heroes and be a part of it. And so I, I have, you know, I, I've interviewed almost so many of my heroes i never i never put money to that i never visualize the dollars to go to go with right, that right right you know i i don't create i don't think in terms of money and that's right. been your mother would be kicking me in the ass because right. mine is but yeah well no it, it came from i think that the time that we grew up uh, i i don't want to say it's the hippie movement but money was kind of a little yeah dirty it was not something you aspire to. If you said, hey, what do you want to do with your life? Well, I want to make a lot of money so I can be comfortable. They'd be like, you're an idiot. I don't like you. You're un- That's not cool. What, Except gonna- the people who did think that way ended up making a lot of money, the ones that I know. And I wasn't one of them. But anyway, but I got to do what I love. So that's yes, all. Yes, I know. I, exactly. Yes. I mean, yes. at the end of the day, that's worth every, every amount of uh, dollars that you're lawyer you know i'm not saying your lawyer friends or whatever that just mm-hmm. like are waiting for retirement i have a school teacher friend i went to school with i went to high school with that he couldn't wait till he was 62 to retire you know and i called him up i go what are you going to do aren't you going to do another job because i am done dude because i had enough working i'm not doing anything i'm going to go scuba diving and vacation wow. the rest of my life wow I go, I go i can't imagine doing that you know i want to work i want to like be productive but you know he was all burnt out he was used up Mm -hmm. that's what happened you know i understand you know i i'm not gonna hold that against him but that's what happens if you don't do something you love you get used Uh, up i think that's true and speaking of something you love so another thing that you do yes you compose for 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 tv and film so um you've composed you've had songs on a couple of shows that a friend of mine stuffy walden did felicity and um and friday night lights and you had songs in both of those i saw They were they were needle drops or nothing, nothing big. But, you know, it was just it's it's a matter of knowing the right person, the right time that, you know, they're looking for uh, what they call incidental music or maybe music like that's on the radio when a guy's in the car. You know, right. I, I do a lot of that stuff. I have yet to, you know, uh, Snuffy, of course, is a legend. You know, I've never I've never been at that level where they've um, I've had a few things I've composed for. I just composed two pieces for um, the uh, the last episode of shameless right that's so fabulous yeah, yeah, yeah. and um did meet bill macy he's great you know and um indeed and, I you know, but but it was i have to tell you it's it's all through people i know uh-huh and it's all through people i knew from years ago you know it's like it is true when you have children you tell them make your connections now because they will come <laughs> back later I mean, 30 years so like, later. So like Barry, how did Barry come about uh, for you? Well, Barry's a, a I work with this because I work with this woman who um, her job is she has a roster of musicians to do sideline, meaning when a TV show goes, hey, we need a violinist. She goes, um, I got three violinists. What age do you want? Oh, 20. OK, I got that. You, oh, you want an older guy? 
okay, I got that too. And she like gives them, you know, pictures and then they choose from that. So it's like a, you get put on a short list really fast, right? So what was the, how did you get your SAG card? What was the first gig that you did on screen? Oh my gosh. It probably was something like, like the tonight show or things like that. When you know, oh, wow. play, playing with an artist, I think I worked with Carlene and then you get I, a SAG card when you play with an artist. No, you know what? It wasn't that. Cause that was through the musicians union. Right. I really don't even know. I think, uh -huh. I, I think I just done so much stuff and then I did one last thing and I go and I just asked the question instead of going through the musicians union, which by the way, mm -hmm, okay. Can I go through SAG? Which is yeah. And yeah. they go, okay, but you're going to have to join. And I go, okay. You know, and so I joined and it was like $800, you know, <laughs> so they took it out of my pay. Uh -huh. And, and uh, I've been, well, it was after back then, you know, and then, right. and, I, and it's, it's so great. It's really, it's really amazing. I, you know, I wish I could do more. Unfortunately, a lot of times they call me for these things. They go, it's not through the union. And I'm almost to the point in my life. And I, I hope, I'm sorry if there's union people out there, I apologize, but I'm not at that point where I can start turning down work yet. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I know like Navarro does obviously. And because he's, you know, it, he's a he, union guy. He's, he's like, the, he's the yeah. union organizer. Guy. I know he has to. And I understand. <laughs> yeah. And as he should, but it's really sad how many people want you. There was a commercial that I just, I didn't even try that hard because it was like, well, here's a commercial and we need an accordion player. And, and the funny thing was, I knew I was going to get, it's like, you need to teach your, you're teaching your grandson how to play accordion. I'm like, grandson, Oh my gosh. Am I, am I that old now? And like, yeah, you are. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, it was like a, a buyout, you know? And I'm like, Oh, what, what is, it was the point in this, you know? I mean, I had, I had friends who used to do commercials and they would make uh, a year's wages. Right. You know? Right. Right. And, and it'd be like 10 years down the line, they're still making money. And I right. have stuff that I did through the union through SAG that, 20 years ago I did, and I'm still making like a few dollars every year. I mean, that is really the way to have a career right. in, in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. If you just pick up things, just side here, here and there, you're going to be, you know, you might as well be. Uh, and then, and then I worked over a restaurant and did, you know, shot, did tables. You make about as much money, you know? So it's, uh, you know, you got, as they say, as Miles said, you, you got to really love it because if you don't love it, you're not going to like it. <laughs> so you don't love it you're not gonna like it no. i love that right. so and i and i imagine because the accordion and and the mandolin these are sort of unusual instruments that there must be a market for you on yes. in sessions right yes people yes in sessions so, and in and in tv as well you know i'm a, I'm, a sh I'm a short list which is really nice i know the five other people who do it so you know you probably do too so, so accordion, I would imagine you're on a very short list for the accordion players. Yeah, there's, right? there's about five other people. And the thing is, right. I really, I really play it. There's a lot of guys that like, like will hold, you know, like actually just hold the instrument and say they play it because a lot of times they'll have a track going anyway. So, wow. you know, it, with the case of Barry, I mean, if they didn't get me who I actually played, they were going to just get one of the other guys to hold an accordion, you know, one of the extras. They don't call them extras anymore. They call them backline or whatever it is. Day players. I don't know. Yeah, day players. Yes, yeah. right. Exactly. And uh, they were going to So, do wait, that. I interrupted you. How did you get Barry? Tell that story. Oh, well, um, they had had another guy do it. And mm -hmm. uh, through this woman that, like, uh, and, and he was a young guy. It wasn't, he wasn't right for it. But on top of it, he was, he couldn't make the second date. 
And so they, uh, once again, this is the story of my success. They were desperate. They needed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> they needed somebody the next day. And, and so I, I met, I met with the manager. I met with the, uh, the line director and he goes, can you play? And I go, yeah. And I played a little bit. He goes, great. He goes, do a, um, are you okay with dying on screen? And I go, no, I'm fine. And he goes, great. You got the job. That was it. <laughs> and the funny thing was that like, there was one scene and I believe it or not, I did not watch Saturday Night Live. So I did not know a, a Bill. I didn't know a Bill Hader from anybody. He just was another guy on set. Right. So, and then they, they told me, he goes, that guy, that's the guy in charge. You know, he's, right. he's the guy. Oh, oh really? Uh-huh. You know, okay. And so I had to do a scene with him. And so he goes, okay. So the director goes, I want you to, to give me a look like, you know, you're totally pissed off, but totally hurt at the same time. Right. Uh-huh. And I go, okay. And I, I have to tell you, I'm not an actor, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. <laughs> and so this was a little bit of a, like, oh shit, oh shit. And Bill was, Bill was right there. Like he was in the scene with me. So they go, okay, action. And I give the look and Bill just cracked up. He was like, oh. <laughs> he goes, do that, do that again. You know, I go, and I'm thinking, I have no idea what I did. I, did I? I have no idea because that's, it makes you admire actors because that's part of their, the, the skill is being able to repeat the right. same thing over and over and over again. Well, and, and to make it look fresh and new. Right. Yeah. And you have to have your face one way and you have to inflect. <laughs> and there's all these things you have to remember. Right. That is, that is a real hard time. Good memorization. And as a, as a musician, I'm always like just whatever's on the top of my head, I'm going to do because <laughs> that's the way I do. I'm not, I'm not one of those musicians that like learns apart. I like, like to keep it fresh every time, but right. luckily I did it again. And the second director who had never said a word to me, she came over to me. She still didn't work, give words, but she gave me a thumbs up. She was like, oh. <laughs> I go, I was like, good. I guess they're not going to, I guess I'm not going to end up on the, on the cutting room floor. You know? That's so cool. Yeah. So have you, since COVID they're back in production and stuff, have you worked since the pandemic? Um, I did something on, uh, well, like I said, on, on, uh, on shameless. Oh, that was, that's yeah. since. Yeah, that, that okay. was since. Yeah. We had to do a test every morning and a test when you leave and a test three days before. And, you know, just, yeah. And everybody wore masks the way they do it. A lot of people get, it's like, Oh, how are they doing all this production? And you're know, like, I, I hate when people are saying, it's like, I have to wear a mask every time I go out. And these actors are out here doing this thing. And they don't realize we're tested like three times a day. And when we're between. So you were acting on Shameless. You weren't. It wasn't well, your music. You, well, well, the music, yeah. the music cue was me. And then okay. I had to act like I was doing it because it was a party. And I was the accordion player at the party. And there was like two dancers that were doing Polish dancing. So I was like the Polish guy playing, playing the accordion, doing a polka. My friend Scott Michael Campbell's on that show. Did you meet Scott? I don't know which guy is he. He plays. He played his sponsor, Lib, uh, um, Lip sponsor. Okay. He, he's the guy who runs the the bar. The, not the bar. No. He's a mechanic. He has like a uh, anyway. A I probably shop. I probably did. The the only guys I really met were was the guy who ran the bar, the real tall dude, and uh, his. Uh, oh other, yeah, he's hysterical. He's really guy. funny. He's really funny. Yes. And and the girl that was with him, the Afro American lady. Uh uh-huh. Hysterical. I met both of them because they were the, they were the friendliest. They were like, talk to people. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. they were, they were nice. Yeah. You know, you go to these sets a lot and that is the problem. If you guys like, if they don't know you, you do not exist. 
Right. It's really, and I, it's kind of freaky, but you get used to it, you know? Uh, but so when somebody's actually friendly to you, you're like, Oh my God, like That's you're treating like a human being. I look, you know, thank you. That's you know? lovely. Yes. And that is guy lovely. is hysterical. I don't know yes. his name, but he's very, very funny. Yes, he's very funny. So, so Phil coming up. So what, what are you working on right now? What do you hope to work on? What, what, what's next? What do you, what do you got going on? I know Kiefer, are, is there a plan yeah. for when you guys are going to, it's it probably, but it's kind of, you know, he's, I think he's doing some acting right now. So when, when the acting comes, he kind of like, you know, uh, does that, is, is that light like affecting things? Okay. I, yeah, it is kind of shining weird. Let me, let me see. I, it's because the door is open. Hang on a second. Hold that thought. Okay. I'm holding the thought. <laughs> hold. I didn't, I started to notice it just a couple minutes ago, actually. Okay. I wish I put my ears back in now. Oh. Once again, it's telling me that the live yeah, thing when, has um, ended, and I I know that that's not true, but I'm gonna I'm gonna. What was that? What did you just say? It just told me again that yeah, see, oh. and it's yeah. They, well, we it's, have it gone over, to me. we have gone over our time. We've gone way, <laughs> and, and and you have to before we go, you have to play something for us. Okay, I'm not gonna let you go till. But then. I will tell you what what I'm ending up with is uh, we're it's still kind of questionable what's happening mm-hmm. at that point. Um, we probably are going to go back to Europe because that is his best. Um, best market but as you can see europe is like behind america wow so yeah i mean have you have you been on a plane yet are you ready to get on a plane i have not gotten on a plane i'm going next week to go to oakland and i'm a little nervous about that so but you know it's like a short trip but no i have not been on a plane my wife was supposed to go on one next week to go back east to see her dad and um she decided against it because just it's 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 crazy it's It's not scary it's not over it's not over at all you know, people think is so I'm hoping to do that soon. But until then, I, I'm starting to work with Phil Jones. We've done we've done a few like tracks. Unfortunately, all the new material I have, I'm not going to play in the new songs, but they're all I it's all I've read too many self-help books. And I'm like spouting it out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's what I what I like to call it, it's like uh, uh, my, my therapy in a song is like the song is therapy. And. And I go, well, no one's ever made money doing that. And I go, no, The Wall by Pink Floyd was totally therapy. <laughs> was okay. it really? Well, think about it. The whole, the whole, the whole record is about his pitiful life and about how his mother and father made him build a wall around himself. It's he's talking about himself. And he's also talking about uh, Sid as well, you know. But um, he it's it's very there's a, a lot of the stuff in that is all about self-exploration it's about wow. you know, yeah i mean think about the wall actually all those records wish you were here is also about sex so i've seen it somebody's made a popular record out of their own like crap in their head angst yes. yeah their own angst <laughs> i think i can do it too but i'm see the great thing is i'm not expecting to have a hit record because you know what am i going to get you know uh, it's one of the one of the i don't even know who the stars are now I've, I said one of the stars, Selena, Selena Gomez. She, I don't even think any kids know who she is anymore. I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't, I don't so, know. So basically, it's kind of a good thing. I'm just, I'm writing. Billie Eilish. You have to write for Billie oh, yes. Eilish. Yeah. I like her. She's actually really She's good. Yes. She's wonderful. Um, but yeah, right. Exactly. But I, I, um, since I don't have to worry about that. I can write for, I'm, I'm just worried. I just, I just hope that like 30 people will listen to my stuff. You know, this, <laughs> I would be really happy because, you know, I'm of the elk. It's like, I have a new record and I go, I can, the only people I get to listen to it are people who are good. I'm asking to play a show with me. Learn, 
learn track four and five and six. I'm going to do it at the show. It's great. Hey, I heard your record. It was really good. Yeah. And I go, you wouldn't have listened to it otherwise, would you? I'm like, no, actually, I have a stack this big of records I'm listening to. You know, so. And, uh, you know, I went through the stack of records when I was going through all my stuff uh, 20 years ago, guys, that I haven't listened to record. And I'm like, sorry. And I gave them a blessing and threw it in the trash. Blessing. <laughs> threw it in the trash. Sorry. I never I never got around to listening to your CD. <laughs> so I, I'm guilty of the same thing. We with all are. CDs, with books, with everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we know too many people that are in the arts. And, of course, yeah. you know. No, that's yeah. why I do not. I do not want to play to my friends. I do not. I want to play to people I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they're very. Unfortunately, I've got like I do a show on Facebook live. I, I was just going to ask you to yes. talk about it. Tell us about your yes. Facebook show. It's ten o'clock every Sunday, and and why was, is it at ten o'clock on Sunday in the morning? Right. Yes, in the morning because I have um I have a fan oh. base in Italy that I met when I was with uh, with Kiefer, Italy and Germany and uh, Sweden particularly. It's all women around my age. Nice. <laughs> That's nice. And maybe their daughters, hopefully. And, uh, you know, and they like they like the stuff. And I always, it's more me talking, you know, and I try not to belabor the point, but I talk a lot of, about these books I read and about, especially in COVID, I was saying that people are being very negative. You have to think about positives. You have mm-hmm. to be... You know, it is going to pass. You know, things are going to pass. You're going to be better off for this. The world has had a reset. The the two weeks after COVID hit, we went to lockdown in Los Angeles. I noticed that you could hear birds again. They all came back out. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Absolutely. Because they're going, oh, it's safe. It's like, this is great with no people and no cars. And the, <laughs> the freeway was, you couldn't. So There was no pollution. There was no pollution. I know this is a reset. And I know that people... The, you know, the military uh, uh, employment wants to keep us down again. They want to mm-hmm. go. Let's go back to how it used to be. How it used to be is not was not that great. What we need to do is think about what's going to be good for us. What's going to be good for the universe. And it's going to be good for everybody. And newsflash, it's going to be good for business, too. They're of not going to lose their money. And it's going to be good for Donald Trump and his friends, too. You know, whether I mean, I spent... I spent like three afternoons when I was really down on the guy and I spent three days going, I love you. You know, you are here for a reason and I want to honor that. And it oh was really God. hard, but I had, I, I do not know how you did that. It was, well, you know, I, it was very hard and the whole time. It's like, Ugh, you know, no, I'm going to do this because I knew that we had to do that. People that are, that are mm-hmm. actualized. I'm only actualized this much actualized enough to know that we have that control that I know that if I just keep sending love to him, that mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he'll like have a come to Jesus moment, not the real Jesus, but you know, that where he'll kind of maybe just back off a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the people around him too. And I know that people think I'm a dreamer for that, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think that's just the way the world works. I think that the world is full of love. That's is mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. And the aberrations, these are aberrations by people who don't understand that all they have to do is pale off the onion and the love is there, you know? Did you f- have- go ahead. Go ahead. You finish your thought. Oh, I-, I feel sorry for him because he just he lives in a horrible world. I really do. Because he does he doesn't have love in his life. I can't see him having love in his life. So you know whatever, you know. I I send him off with that. I hope that maybe one day he'll he'll have that. I don't know if it'll happen, but 
that's all I have to say about about that man. You have a lot. I'm a 12 stepper and a lot of what you uh -huh. say is part of that. So you talk about drinking and getting loaded and coming in right. late and all that right. stuff. Did you ever have a problem with with substances? That's a very good point that you that mentioned that I've been sober since. Uh, well, I haven't drank. I can't say I'm sober. I still like, uh, you know, I take medications. My wife is totally sober for like 26 years. Fantastic. I, I um I have not drank since um, since uh, 2013. Fantastic. Um, and be saying that because you're in the 12 step, I have to say that I was on the road and someone, you know, I, I had a pint of Guinness when I was in in uh, in Ireland for the flavor, and I did start to feel the effects. And I have to say that it was like, yeah, I can do without that because the amount. So I never really had a problem. I never had that hitting the bottom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had, I did have some run-ins that were really eh, kind of made yeah. me think about it. Yeah. And so, but I realized that I was drinking every day and that it was kind of part of my life. Mm -hmm. And then my wife being not a drinker, you know, she was like, well, maybe you should, you know, try doing without it. And after a month, you know, after a month, it started feeling effects. And after about three months, I started going, wow, my head like opened up. It's, it was amazing. And, I, and then after a year, it was like, I never want to go back there again. Never. No, yeah. it's it is it is uh, is binding it is. I don't know. It's the alcohol administration or whoever it is. They, they're binding you They're They're making you stuck on the wrong side of enlightenment mm -hmm. by enslaving you to alcohol because it is an enslavement and you know and this comes from someone i i've gone to 12 uh meetings but I'm, i don't go but i i totally have nothing but respect for people that are able to do it because they see it too and you and I, you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. you see how i i feel so much better in my and all these things you know the the uh the power of now all i could not hear that if if i had if i hadn't quit drinking i could not hear that mm -hmm. oh so all of this enlightenment came to you after you got sober, after you stopped drinking? No, I've I've been on a path of enlightenment since I was 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. I started reading those books, but that's when it really like became fine-tuned. It's like, "Oh, I get it." They're, they're Interesting. Really, we really do have power over our lives. We are we do not have to be victims of things that happen to us. If I don't get a job, it's not because I'm a horrible person. It's because there are other reasons. It's not that's about not you. That's not it's your not job. You. There's, yeah. yeah. It's mm -hmm. not, it wasn't meant to be. It's mm -hmm. like, um, I can't remember the name of the book, the four, uh, four rules. The, the, the four, oh, yeah. not the four questions. The four. Yeah. Yes. By Miguel. Uh, yes. 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 Oh, you know, you, yes. We'll know oh, right after this. Shit. Anyway. And was it was it Leonard Cohn who wrote? Yes, uh, Leonard, yes. It's Leonard Cohen. <laughs> anyway, okay. but so Pearl has, has played with Leonard Cohen, who's four, uh, another. Oh, he's God, another John. This Bryan. is going to drive me crazy. The four what? The four oh somebody agreements. Agreements. Thank yes. you. And one of them, of course, is don't take it personally because mm -hmm. it's not about you. And in fact, it's a really egotistical view that it's always about you. That's just right. thinking that the world revolves around you, and it does not. Mm -hmm. there's what what is on people's minds is mostly what's going in their head exactly nothing is personal it's always <laughs> yeah. somebody else's shit yeah. it's always our own shit yes yeah. i agree with that completely. so i mean that is you know that's hard one to take and i tried mm -hmm. i try to help other people that are having trouble with that because they go oh, why do people mean to me why is it it's like no you got to look inside why are you allowing this to bother you first of all mm -hmm. and know that they have problems and they're in pain 
And if they're getting aggressive with you, maybe because it's like, it could be as simple as you remind them of their mother. And all of a sudden you said something their mother would say, and they're getting mad at you because they're getting mad at their mother. Or, or they're, they're getting, having a bad day. They're, they're just they're having, having a bad day. A bad day. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so unless you yeah. do something really, you know, mm-hmm. aggressive towards another person and then they are giving it back to you because you did it to them, then maybe you could take it personally. But even at that point, it's not personal, you know, it's, it's still, not personal. Yeah. So uh, so that's what those these are the things I learned. And these were things that are here, been here since the, the dawning of time. And it all if you are enslaved to alcohol, you slave to these things, these ideas that you are a victim, you will never be happy. You will never be happy. You will. Mm-hmm. You could have a uh, $3 million in the bank and you'll still be miserable mm-hmm. because I you'll agree. think, you know, you'll think you need more. So I just try to get that. We're getting up to that point. You know, we're in the same generation and, you know, we we're looking at the end of our lives. I mean, I, I don't mean to get macabre here, but you know, you can see it, you know, because you can see back far, really far, you know, mm-hmm. so you don't want to spend the rest of these days like in those places where you're just mm-hmm. negative. Why? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no need. And that's mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. Anyway, wrapped it up. Do you want to hear a song? So I want to hear a song. So, <laughs> Phil, I've, I've loved chatting with you and getting to know you. This has been absolutely a treat. Right, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you so much for doing this. And OK, so what are you going to play us out with? OK, here's the song. Uh, it's on my last record, which is called The Mordacious, Mordacious Mr. Squeeze. It's a song called... Um, this road is not my own. Actually, I wrote the instrumental version. There was an instrumental version that I actually threw to John to write words to it, but I think it was a little too, um, it had too many chords in it. So he did. <laughs> but his, it's a song about, um, are you, you hear that? Okay. Yes, okay. it sounds great. Um, this is a song about what happens when um, you, uh, you and your, and your friend like the same, uh, like the same girl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Back when back when it was relevant to write about, you know, girls and love and all that. It's like I can't I can't write about that now. You know, it's like what what are the most popular songs? They're always about romance. I go, if I wrote this uh, song about romance now, my wife would be like, "Who's that song about?" Wait. <laughs> I, and you have to go, "No, I made this up." I'm like, you know, it's like artistic, you know. Because <laughs> right. because I'll leave you with this but and so that's what the song is. But my friend and I we always just take artistic license. You always have like some girl he kind of liked and mm-hmm. he would write a song using their name. But of course the song had nothing to do with them. Right. It was just like fantasy. Right. And I think it was twice. The girls heard the songs. They ran for the hills. They were like stalker, crazy person. Oh. And he has like, Oh no, it's a song. Wait, uh. Uh, I guess. <laughs> and I'm like, that didn't work. Did it? I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was going to be all, oh, oh Vicky, every time I, I look in your eyes. And she's like, ah, you're freaky. Stop now. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's excellent. I love it. Uh, so what's the song called, Phil? It's called The, the Road Is This Road Is Not My Own. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Phil, for the piano. I'm going to pull one of these guys out. There he goes. That's much better. Gotta find my note. In the mound, last time that I saw her was the last time that I cried. She filled my head with.
with so many ideas and I went numb inside More and more I lose control This road is not my own Oh, and every night I can't face going home Said I think you talk too much Where you busted hard on your sleeve Morning wanes and everything's the same But still I can't believe More and more I lose control This road is not my own Never outrun this early rising sun that keeps me at its game. More and more I lose control. This road is not my own. Oh, and every night I can't face going home. applause can be heard but they're applauding all over the world all over the world those 30 people that i'm hoping to listen yeah. to my songs <laughs> bill thank you so much for doing this it was so fun to get to know you and i look forward to the day when i can come here you play live yes and we'll maybe see you at the nam show again yes that, oh God. will there be one you know who knows if there'll be one this year i mean next year next year yeah there wasn't last year there was no. a virtual one i didn't go to it i didn't I, I didn't do it either no, no. we'll but see yes. but maybe i'll see you before then maybe at a navarro show but, i would uh, love that thank you for having me thank you everybody out there in tv land or thank you Video everybody land. and thank you so much phil see you soon take care bye-bye bye-bye